Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We appreciate you tuning in on this Wednesday. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I've got Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock with me. And we're doing this a little bit different today as it's the holiday season. And if you are listening to this now, this is not a live edition of the program. This is being pre-recorded in our Tiger Communication Studios around 8 o'clock Monday night as we get set to go our separate ways for the holidays and got the uh, Auburn basketball game that was Tuesday night. That's why we all had to kind of go off in our separate directions. So we are here. This is a new three-hour show for you on this Wednesday. Uh, We wanted to make sure that we were able to provide some new content for everybody. But again, this is not live, so we are not able to take phone calls Today, we will be back with a live show on Friday, able to take your phone calls ahead of the Iron Bowl. So, again, uh, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you, doing this a little bit differently today, but still excited to bring you three hours of Sports Talk right here on Tiger 95.9. Today in the show, we will have plenty on the Iron Bowl as we get set two shows away from that, just a few days away from Auburn and Alabama. We'll also talk some NFL. This will kind of be like a hybrid show for us on what we usually do on Wednesdays and on Thursdays. We'll talk some NFL a little bit later. We'll also talk some Thanksgiving traditions, not only in the sports world, but, uh, of course, we got to have the food conversation. It's the time of year for that. Uh, so we'll talk a little Thanksgiving food as well. And, again, we appreciate everyone for listening. Again, a full three hours today, just not live. It is new, uh, but uh, excited to be with you again, again, recording this on a Monday night inside of our Tiger Communications studios. Ryan, TP, and Brooks with you here today. Gentlemen, a little bit different for us, but uh, happy to be with you again and looking forward to another good show with you guys. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying the sports call after dark segment that we have right now. But, uh, yeah, um, wish I could be in better spirits after uh, Saturday's football game between New Mexico State and Auburn, but I'm really excited for uh, – you know, Thanksgiving, getting ready for all the college football that we get. And uh, there's some really good games from, like, Thursday to Sunday. There's some great football games on. So if you love the sport of football, like myself and many others, then this is a great time of year for you. Great matchups, great rivalries. Get some good rivalries on uh, Friday night as well. I know uh, Oregon versus Oregon State's on, and there's some other really good games on that Friday. And, of course, on Saturday, you get the Iron Bowl, you get the game, and you get some other uh, great college football games on. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be uh, talking here getting uh, for this show today. Brooks, how are you, man? 
<laughs> I am doing great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the, the the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Uh, can't wait to uh, to get to you know enjoy that with friends and family. Um, I'm thankful to be on this show with you guys uh, as I am each and every day. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, setting up for a really really good weekend uh, of football. It always is Thanksgiving weekend. Even though it's the last of the regular season for college football, there's always a lot of great college football games uh, on. Uh, a lot of rivalries uh, this weekend, a lot of rivalries with a lot of high stakes, too. Uh, so can't wait to talk about all of that uh, and uh, and get into it. It's a it's a really fun, uh, fun, unique edition of Sports Call. Absolutely it is, and we'll continue to mention that throughout the show. Again, not to beat a dead horse, but we understand that our callers are a big part of the show. And just today just works out in a way we're not going to be able to do that because, again, this is a pre-recorded show. Uh, but, again, we will have... A, a full live edition of the program again on Friday. Get everyone's thoughts as the Iron Bowl nears. But, of course, let's start this show uh, with some Iron Bowl talk. And as we transition in the week, middle of the week is usually when we transition. And normally you play a team like New Mexico State, you're able to transition a little bit earlier in the week. However, we did have to draw this out uh, to Wednesday because of the just state of the type of loss it was. Uh, to a New Mexico State team that, albeit is successful in Conference USA, was still 25-point underdogs. And, of course, we know by now just how disastrous it went in so many areas for Auburn. So the question I pose to you guys as we start to look ahead towards the Iron Bowl, as you've had time to contemplate a little bit, what about the Iron Bowl has changed in your mind based off the result against New Mexico State? or Do you feel it is just two separate entities here? Do you think it do, one does have to do with the other and, and does affect the mindset going to the Iron Bowl? What are your thoughts after that New Mexico State game as it pertains to the Iron Bowl? Well, confidence has definitely dwindled. I think that's a fair assessment to say for everyone. Uh, I thought it had been the whole entire season outside of the LSU game where their quarterback is a Heisman contender there. Outside of that, it had been the Auburn defense was the one constant. The offense was not a constant. You know, there were some really bad games in between. There were bad halves. There were bad games, you know. But the defense was always solid. Well, on Saturday, that was not. And I was very disappointed to see that and – um, if they play like that against Alabama, they're going to get run out of the building straight and just, you know, cold turkey right there. They will get ran out of the building because Jalen Milrow is playing so well right now. And their whole entire offense, it was, you know, at the start of the year, they were a very bad offense and a great defense. Well, now they're a very, very good offense and a great defense. So I think it de- definitely drastically dwindled my confidence, to say the least. I knew I know people – have been saying, well, it's being played in Jordan Hare. I mean, there's some magic voodoo in there, and I agree, but, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how you can look at Saturday's result and go, yeah, but, you know, Alabama, you know, they're not not that good, you know. I mean, I think it was a really disappointing effort on Saturday, and um, I I feel like that's what you need. Sometimes you need just a good – a good punch to the nose, for say, to uh, get get back on track. But, man, I didn't expect the punch to the nose to come to New Mexico State. Right, and, I mean, this still – I mean, there are levels of, of wake-up calls, but this is the type of wake-up wake up call where you wake up from a dream and you're falling out of a, a three-story building or something. I mean, it's <laughs> – Or you it, wake up in a, a pool of sweat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly – 
uh, takes it to the next level. So, Brooks, same question to you. I mean, uh, in your mind, does uh, this last Saturday's result against New Mexico State, does it change anything for you in the Iron Bowl? It, it, you know, I still think that Auburn uh, has a shot to make it interesting because you you are playing at home and you know like you know it's it's you do get to the home crowds behind you. I think the the fans are going to be uh, it's still going to be a high level. I think it's still going to be the, the high fans. But what worries me a little bit about it is the fact that in uh, his weekly presser, Hugh Freeze said that everybody he's met with. Uh, up and uh, up until the the when he had the presser, there was like a fog around them uh, after that loss, and that that kind of you know that that's something that kind of concerns me. That uh, you know when when he talked about that on Monday, it was you know you're like that's two days after the fact, or or is this uh, a thing that could carry throughout the week here during practices and stuff, um, and. Are they going to be able to shake off this this win? Because the the key for uh, the, or shake off the loss. The the key here is, and I I, I said it uh, off the air to uh, was talking about it. Um, you can't let New Mexico State this type of the type of loss beat you twice. You have to you know that it's it's a, a, a horrendous loss. It, it's a it's a game that Auburn you know very much is the more talented team. They should have won the game. It's one of those shocking losses that. You know, really, as a, uh, any sort of Power Five program, you never expect. You always laugh at the other team that does it. You're like, ah, you guys got beat by Northern Iowa, ha ha ha. Y'all got beat. Y'all tripped up to Sacramento State, ha ha ha. You never have that. There, there's no. You you always see that, and you never think it's going to happen to you. And when it does, it's a real gut punch, and it, it, it you can't let it beat you twice. For it demoralizes you going into that next uh, that next game, especially when that next game is Alabama. Uh, and you know what they're capable of. Uh, it's a team that started off the year subpar for Alabama standards, uh, really struggled uh, early, but they've started to find it. They've found it throughout the years gone on. Uh, their real conversations about uh, the, the college football playoff here as they get ready to uh, to go to that SEC championship game uh, a, a week from Saturday against Georgia. And so uh, my perception on it uh, is it, it – it, dwindled a little bit i think that i here, here's what i think i think if alabama comes out and punches auburn really early like you know gets up two scores early um and not even two touchdowns like a field goal and a touchdown before auburn get on the board that could be detrimental to a to a team like this that is suffering from a from a loss like new mexico state the week before well and you know i think that this game so I, to answer the question i i think that does it affect how Auburn plays against Alabama? No, not necessarily. Uh, I think the sense of urgency w- will be present. If it's not, then there's something incredibly lo- wrong in the locker room, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I, I can understand the human nature in something like New Mexico State. It should not have gotten to the point that it did. But, I mean, we're just as guilty of it, too, in the media. And I know that talking on this show last week, we spent very little time covering New Mexico State because, again, I didn't think that there was a whole lot to cover outside of their quarterback. And New Mexico State proved us wrong and, and certainly proved Auburn wrong. So I understand the human nature of that. Uh, now, of course, that's not the that's a cooler head prevailing days later, not not in the moment, because in the moment, I mean, Brooks, you know, I was in the press box. I was a, a grumpy boy. I mean, I was not very, uh, very pleasant to be around. A lot of people that say were grumpy as <laughs> right. well. Uh, but, you know, how it actually affects their play on Saturday, I think the most um, the, the most legitimate thing is what you said, is that the 
the attitude and mentality if something goes wrong early. And I've talked all year about it. It's something I've started to feel stronger about. Now it's not necessarily going to play out that way every game, but I really value the start of games for underdog teams. I just think that when you're the underdog, you need something to go right early to help you believe. If you're New Mexico State against Auburn, that was to get a couple of 50-50 pass interference calls and extend your drive and go score the touchdown to take the lead. I mean, that, that was no small thing. That's a whole extra confidence booster to not just move the ball 30 yards, but to move it 70 yards and, and score the touchdown. So for Auburn against Alabama, I think it's the same thing. I think when you couple the New Mexico State result with the beginning of the Iron Bowl, it becomes much more important for Auburn to start off strong. But again, it is the Iron Bowl, and it is a game that Auburn should not need to understand the importance of and and get and a great mindset for. I think what this game does, this New Mexico State game does for the perception of the result of the Iron Bowl is far different. Not that Auburn needs to go win it in people's minds, because look, let's be okay. Let's be clear. The goal is to always win. You will always be upset no matter how uh, lopsided the game may appear coming in. You will always be upset if your team doesn't win. I will always be upset. We will always be upset. doesn't matter. There are levels of understanding, but we understand the importance of this rivalry, and anyone that's in a big rivalry knows the object is to win, and there's no moral victories in that. So totally understand that. However, what I think New Mexico State game did is it emphasizes the importance that Auburn cannot get blown out. If Auburn wins four in a row and they beat New Mexico State like they should, they lose 38-14 to 14 in the Iron Bowl, that's disappointing. It is. It's Again, like I said, it's always going to be disappointing. However, you say, yeah, well, Auburn just quite they, – they tried. They were focused. They tried. It's just there's a big gap. Alabama's a different team now. However, it's, if it's that type of result now, and you couple those two bad performances at the end of the season, the taste in the mouth is going to be exponentially worse. And, and again, I get it that any loss against Alabama is a, a tough loss as well. I get it. But if Auburn can hang in the game for 60 minutes, reestablish the focus, play with force, then I still think that in people's minds they will say, you know what, that New Mexico State game is still unforgivable. It's still awful. I'm never going to forget it. We're going to reference it for 50 years. However, they learned from it from the get-go. They didn't let it beat them twice in a row. They played their best game. They played like they did against Georgia. They aren't that far off when they focus and when they play hard. And we just need to work on, A, the talent, which has always been true this year, but, B, making sure you don't overlook anybody. And you can talk yourself into that. But, again, if you get blown out, I don't know what the sell on the end of the season is. It's just – Hey, hope the roster turns over a lot. And I'll, I'll tell you what else. You know who else is, is hoping for Auburn to to at least have a good showing against Alabama is whichever bowl game is going to invite them. Because uh, to your to your point, if Auburn you know lo- lost that game to New Mexico State and then gets blown out by Alabama, there's not going to be a lot of excitement no matter where Auburn goes in a bowl game for folks to follow them to said city and spend money and like, well, we're probably just going to lose that game too anyway. Or it's well. You know, we're on next year, whatever. Like that—that's something that that could. You know, if you're the bowl game, you need Auburn to have a good showing too. And, and that's a good point, Brooks. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break of this show today. But on the other side, I do want to bring up the bowl ramifications because I think a lot of people 
you know, going from the initial shock of everything, then piled on with, oh, now it's the Birmingham Bowl. Well, we'll, we'll talk here in just a little bit about why that's not necessarily true and the dynamic with that. We'll also, when we come back, talk more about the Iron Bowl, preview some of the individual matchups that are going to make a lot of difference on the field. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We are not live today. This is pre-recorded on Monday night. Again, wanted to make sure we provided a new show for everyone on this Wednesday, but also wanted to take the opportunity and get everyone home for the holidays there for a couple days before we come back on Friday and do another three-hour live edition of the program. So again, no phone calls because this is actually not live, uh, but again, wanted to be with you and deliver a three-hour program for everyone to listen to on this day before Thanksgiving. So... With that in mind, on the other side of that break, what we were talking about was the Iron Bowl, obviously, and some of the bowl ramifications. And we're going to get into some individual matchups for the Iron Bowl in, in just a minute. Uh, however, I wanted to, again, start the bowl game because afterwards it was like, oh, no, here comes Auburn, the Birmingham Bowl again. Well, the way the bowl process plays out, it's very possible the SEC does not have enough slots to go down that far. And I know that's a, a unfortunate way of putting it because you're putting Auburn at the bottom of the, of the pile, and, and I totally understand that. However, this pile is not as large as usual. There are nine bowl-eligible SEC teams. Uh, and there are three teams that coming into the weekend will have five wins. So there are three opportunities to change this math. But I wanted to go over the math with you. So the nine teams, uh, when you have an expectation that even if Alabama loses, they're in a New Year's Six, someone's going to play. We're going to assume Georgia. But even if you say Alabama wins and put one of them in the playoff one out, it doesn't matter. Both those teams will be the New Year's Six. And as long as Missouri beats Arkansas, those all three teams are expected to be New Year's Six Bowl because they're all going to be top ten teams. They'll all go to New Year's Six Bowls, and so what that will do is there's a group of of six bowl games for the SEC and its conference, or excuse me, its bowl partners to decide on who's the best fit for those bowl games. Okay, and it, there's five constants. One rotates the the one that rotates. It's the Las Vegas Bowl and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So Duke's Mayo is in this year. Las Vegas out. So Duke's Mayo. There's the ReliQuest Bowl. That's the later Tampa Bowl. There's the Music City. There's the Liberty. Uh, there is the Texas Bowl. And I'm forgetting one more. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, the oh, it's the uh, it's the Gasparilla. No, that's lower. It's it's oh. above these. It's above this group. It's the. Um, Citrus? Citrus Bowl, yep. thank you. That gets first pick of non-New Year's Six. So there's the six bowl. So th- we project three SEC teams in New Year's Six, a Citrus Bowl participant, and then that that grouping. 
okay, of five, five to six bowls. Uh, and so what that means is if there's no more New Year or no more six win SEC teams, there's no one to fill the Birmingham Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl. That's the that's the earlier Tampa Bowl. And so therefore, Auburn will, will have to be in that rotation of five. Some projections still for the Texas Bowl, uh, some for uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl and that sort of thing. So that's even with a loss to Alabama. Now the three five win teams are Mississippi State. They got the Egg Bowl tomorrow. You've got a situation where South Carolina could beat Clemson again. They've got five wins, uh, and they did last year. Uh, not the wins, but beating the Clemson. Uh, and then the other five-win team is Florida, which they do play host to Florida State. I'm not going to say that's likely, but there's certainly an air of unknown with Jordan Travis now out. And it is, again, a Florida home game. They played Missouri quite well this past weekend and, and quite frankly, blew that game. So if one of those teams wins, that changes the math. And then it would be I, – I, I'm not sure the pecking order on Birmingham and Gasparilla. They might be in the same boat. I don't know who would get a preference to get an SEC team versus not. But if none of those five-win teams play, Auburn's not going to Birmingham Bowl and they're not going to Gasparilla in Tampa. They're going to end up in something like the Texas Bowl, Dukes-Mayo Bowl, maybe Liberty Bowl, something, something in there. So I do want to ease concern for some people. Now, obviously, if Auburn wins, then they're not going to end up in Birmingham Bowl no matter what happens because one of the, the six-win teams like South Carolina or Mississippi State or whoever will end up in that. So I did want to clear that up because I know some people still very much going to value the opportunity to play in a bowl game. I know I will. I think you guys would as well. Absolutely. And you're going to feel better about it if it's not the Birmingham Bowl. you feel better about it if it's literally anything else against any Power 5 team. So I did want to expound that uh, and clear that up for everybody. And I'll tell you what, you know, the you know you, you look at this math right now, uh, a guy I always go to when it's bowl uh, projections is uh, Brett McMurphy. He's, he's locked in on some of those bowl games, um, most of them. Currently, right now, he does not have an SEC team in the Liberty Bowl. And so if just one of them gets in, it could just bump somebody into that Liberty Bowl spot if they're an SEC school, and then it would still leave the Gasparilla and Birmingham Bowl as – uh, looking elsewhere at other conferences. I, I must have missed a bowl then still because it must be – it's still a rotating group of six and it's the Citrus. So I think Let's there's ten. I, can... I think there's ten bowl slots. And then before you get down uh, to any of that uh, hoopla. Gasparilla Bowl – I've got a, a list of pairings here – is American slash ACC slash Notre Dame slash SEC. Well, here, I, I can do oh, one better. Right. I've got – I've got the press release again. There it is. Uh, um, so it is the Texas Bowl, Music City Bowl, Gator Bowl is what I forgot. There it is. Liberty Bowl, ReliQuest Bowl, and now the Dukes Mayo rotating in for the uh, the Las Vegas Bowl this year. So that's the six. The Citrus is the seven, which is above those six. And then the projection that there's going to be three New Year's six. So that's why, that's why the Liberty Bowl, which is still technically in that group of six, it's the one slated to miss out in SEC school. So actually, you can afford one five-win team, and that should make people a lot feel better because I'm going to be very surprised more than one wins. Uh, so so there you go. So Auburn is very unlikely to end up in Birmingham or in Tampa, really either way. Not not high enough for the ReliQuest Bowl, not low enough for Gasparilla. Uh, so ease your mind a little bit that, that there's a, a solid chance at a different destination than in years past. And 
I think it's also important to note that some of these guys, I think, will really value the opportunity to play a bowl game after not last year. Mm. So, again, you give them something other than Birmingham, I think they'll I, – I hope, I don't know, but I think that they will value it because they didn't get to go to one last year. Uh, and, and some of those guys, you, you still miss out on something. It's not a great feeling to be sitting at home when two-thirds of the country yeah. uh, keeps playing. Plus, when you've got a roster – and, you know, Hugh Freeze has been asked about this a few weeks leading up until this point. When you've got a roster – uh, that's young and you're still trying to build it out, those bowl practices are invaluable. You, oh, yeah. you get those bowl practices in there. Uh, even you know, No matter what happens in the game, obviously it feels good to win it, get a little trophy, put in the trophy case. Uh, but getting those bowl practices, and especially when you know I've mentioned on the show several times over the last few weeks, uh, if you are truly going to have a quarterback competition next year between uh, the likes of a Peyton Thorne, if Robbie Ashford stays, maybe he's still in it, or, or Holden Gurner, uh, who's been uh, having a lot of momentum in practice according to Hugh Freezer the past few weeks uh it it helps to you know get those guys more reps in the in this offense uh going into uh going into uh the spring ball here in a few months all right so let's talk more iron bowl and look at a few of the matchups coming up for for Auburn uh and when you think of Alabama and their season you think about the rocky first quarter of it first third of it and trying to figure out the quarterback situation, trying to figure out who Jalen Milrow was, what his limits were and his capabilities. And now as the season has progressed, he has grown a lot. And I think to Alabama's coach's credit, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, I think they've kind of figured out the do's and don'ts. I still don't think he's a perfect quarterback. I think that at times he still holds the ball a long period of time. Uh, but they certainly have started to get the receiver play. Burton's had a much better year this year than he last year. Bond's breaking out, and there's others too. And they're also running just a, a little bit better too because you're having to respect Milrow more. And they understand that the best thing Milrow does as a passer, still in my opinion, is delivering the ball down the field. And with the athletes they've got, I mean, that is a – uh, a, a tough combo to face. Uh, so, guys, when you're looking at it uh, against Alabama, I mean, what what's what's Auburn's path? Not with crowd, and I mean, crowd's going to be involved. That's part of the path. But on the field stuff, what is Auburn's path uh, to hanging around here all 60 minutes and making Alabama fight and claw the way they had to fight and claw back in 2021? I think uh, force turnovers and uh, keep their offense off the field, kind of like what New Mexico State did against Auburn, just take a lot of clock off the board because with these new clock rules, you can do that. You can do that really well. So I'm not saying they get into the wishbone or anything like that. I'm just saying they just take your time, wait until there's like, you know, eight seconds left on the play clock to snap it or, you know, just wait, wait, keep their offense off the field. And that will cool an offense off. That is like – that is proven through time. That's not just some, you know – you know, that's not some theory. If you keep an offense off the field for long enough, you know, it's hard for them to get back into that rhythm. So I would say force turnovers, be aggressive. You know, Milrow has gotten better over the season. It's been impressive to watch. You know, I thought he was kind of a one trick pony, but he's been really good to, he's been really good. So, um, you know, force him into those old habits, you know, make him turn over the ball or make him unreliable through the air. And you can, uh, you can make yourself into a ball game. You know, if they can't have the ball and you take more and more clock off, you know, it's going to make them more and more panic and make some, um, uh, un- 
you know, some very questionable decisions like throwing the ball or, you know, making some questionable play calls there. So I would just say, you know, defensively, you know, you know, get some three and outs or get, you know, like I said, win the turnover battle and uh, on offense, just um, just go real slow and uh, milk the clock. I think when you, when you look at this, I, I think that Auburn's got to be able to establish the run early. Uh, I think that was something that, you know, we saw in the past few weeks, they were able to get the, you know, run the football and were able to, to you know, have success with it, especially Jarquez Hunter. You kind of saw that, you know, go away from that and, and not have as much success this past week uh, against New Mexico State. Uh, so on offense, I think you need to be able to run the ball. I, I think you need to to be able to uh, have some big gashing runs uh, if you're Jarquez Hunter in the, this running back room. On defense, I think that you need to, you know, you got some good wide receivers. Alabama's always got good wide receivers. Um, you've got to be able to stay with them. Don't let them start running free because Jalen Milrow can find them if they're running free. Uh, you, you've you've seen that in the past. You've seen, uh, you know, that that's been a big uh, a big. Uh, hole in a, in a lot of teams that when they play Alabama uh one big uh you'll you know have one big game uh one big play uh with a guy running wide open down the field hit it for a touchdown and the game's flipped on its head uh so I, I think that you know if you're the DBs you've got to stay with those wide receivers don't let them uh if they're going to make a catch make it make sure it's contested make sure that you're in their face uh and you're you're trying to uh to disrupt that passing uh in the front part of the defense the front uh the, the line and the, the linebackers you, you got to keep Melrose in the pocket you you cannot let him get out and start running because that's where he's been deadly here these last few weeks is is moving around with his legs running the football um he's you know he, he's quick he, he's elusive uh if you can keep him in the pocket and you can uh you can uh you know force him to try to sit there and, and throw the football into contested passing lanes uh that's when you get him back to early in the season where he, he made some mistakes in, in the passing game and look, I, I think too, and this kind of, again, you can't, it, it's why you have a bit of a conundrum analyzing the New Mexico State game in terms of the Alabama game, because you don't know how much of, of the problems were just stemming from not playing with an edge. Because what Auburn had started to do well, particularly against Arkansas, was rush the passer. And that's something that, in my opinion, Auburn just has to do against Alabama. They have to do it well. That is part of the benefit of having home crowds. When I think of Iron Bowl's past and electric Auburn environments of years past, I think of the defensive line really teeing off on some opposing quarterbacks. And that dates all the way back to Fairley in 2010, but that goes for rush-ins like D. Ford, Carl Lawson, Marlon Davidson. I mean, just a lot of guys – that seem to really have big moments in these games, rushing the quarterback, getting big sacks. And so Auburn has to do that well. And it will come, it will be two tests because Milrow is nothing is not at all a, a pocket quarterback. It will come in the form of actually creating the three to four to five sacks that you really need in certain situations to put them behind the chains or in, uh, chains or in drives, potentially force a turnover. You need that. You, you need the number there. But you also need the discipline to not let it be six rushes, 80 yards, uh, and, and have a 40-yard TD run and, and and be able to not give up a third and 11 rushing, make them earn it. You know, So that part of it to me, and we did not see much against New Mexico State. Again, we didn't see much of anything. But Alabama, 
and Arkansas are the two bottom teams, or have been all year at least. They're the two bottom teams in allowing sacks. And you can say Alabama's gotten a little better at it, and I think they have gotten a little better just about everything. That still doesn't mean all of a sudden that they have one of their better better offensive lines or one of their more dominant offensive lines. And so this is a, a great opportunity for Auburn. If they are the team that showed up in SEC play towards the end, they need to make a few big plays on Milrow. Uh, I mean, that's that's the path there because if you don't, I just think that Alabama's got too many big play capabilities. I think Milrow has started to prove that he can do it drive the drive. Like if this was six weeks ago, I would say, well, Milrow's gonna three and out himself at some point. He's just gonna have a sequence, just not good, uh, and he's gonna overthrow somebody. He's not gonna see the field correctly, and he'll he'll bank themselves punt at least once, maybe once a half. But I don't feel that way anymore, and so it's on Auburn to be able to force that out of them. I think also something for Auburn's offense, too. The most alarming thing of Auburn's offense, of which there were many, I mean, to me, I mean, you could you could argue it's offensive line, but again, I think that was a, a case of the I don't give a dams. Um, I think the most alarming thing I saw that really didn't have anything to do with effort against New Mexico State was Peyton Thorne did not see the field very well. And they were four to five times. I mean, Brooks, you and I were talking about the press box. I kept pointing it out an absurd amount of times. At least four or five times, there was someone open moderately deep, 10 to 15 yards even further at times, Yeah, going unseen, and going were, uncovered and unseen. There was other people in the press box saying, so-and-so's open, so-and-so's open. Yep. It didn't go there. And, and so I just feel that they're going and, – and to me, that's surprising too. Again, it goes into everything being disappointing, but – that's something that had not been happening in SEC play, and I don't have a good explanation for that one other than just a bad game because some of these things you, you explain away with effort or focus. Maybe that's focus. I don't know. But, again, the amount of times that Peyton Thorne had to tuck it and run was way too many for a, time, a, a team like New Mexico State. And I'm going to break the news. Auburn's not going to beat Alabama if Peyton Thorne's having to tuck 10 times, 15 times. I'm sorry. It's, that's, he's a decent runner. He is far better, far better than I thought he was. I'll, I'll own up to the fact I did not see that. However, they're not going to win because Peyton Thorne scrambled successfully five or six, seven times. They, they're going to have to make a few plays down the field. When those opportunities are there, he's going to have to see them uh, and, and nail those opportunities. We're going to take our final time out here of the first hour of this pre-recorded edition of Sports Call. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the act of playing sports on Thanksgiving. No, not us, but uh, how much we enjoy watching. How much is it a part of our thanksgiving routine uh, to watch thanksgiving our thoughts on some of these events taking place over the holidays you're listening to this wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday. Again, a reminder, going to say it every single segment, uh, this is not a live edition of the program. It is a new edition. This was recorded Monday nights, almost 9 o'clock, and what we're doing this right now. But uh, It's live in our hearts. It is live in our hearts because it's happening right now. It's also happening for you right now, but again, it is not live. It is new, but not live. So Our right now is different from your right now. Right. Uh, so we'll be Multiverse. back. Multiverse. Exactly. That's <laughs> how it works. Uh, so we'll be back to uh, taking phone calls and having a live edition on Friday. But again, wanted everybody to get a couple days off for the holidays. Certainly, I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. And speaking of Thanksgiving, there is football tomorrow. And we will delve into that a little bit later uh, with our thoughts on uh, the Egg Bowl and the NFL slate, uh, but guys, just as a head, like what uh, what has Thanksgiving football meant for you and your family growing up? Has it been a big part of it? Is it something you enjoy? Do you want to see more of it? Do you do you wish there were more college games? Just give me the the rundown on your thoughts on on having. Uh, one college football game and then NFL games on Thursday. It's it's very nostalgic for me. That's how I'll say. I'm I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I think it's very. I don't know about college games. I think the Egg Bowl's the like the perfect balance. I think it's more of an NFL day though. And I think a lot of people would share that same sentiment as me. Um, you know, growing up, go uh, go to my grandparents, play some pool, and we watch the Lions game. And usually the Lions are losing, but that's okay. So, but uh, then at night. I'll go eat with one of my best friends, and we'll always watch the Egg Bowl. And so it's just very nostalgic. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, always have been, always will be. I think it's a great day for sports. I know that the viewership does well. And uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's Thanksgiving lunch, and you know, either you eat earlier or eat before it. But you know, just seeing the Lions on, you may not even like the Lions. I'm a Bears fan, but it's just like it's something about it. It's something about it where you kind of like look forward to it. It's just like, man, I can't wait to watch the Lions play on Thanksgiving. I don't know why. I, I never look forward to watching the Lions play, but you know what? On Thanksgiving, it's okay. And then I don't really care about the Cowboys versus Washington because I've been alive for like 22 years, and I couldn't tell you the last time I saw Washington win that Thanksgiving game. It's been a while. I think Antonio Gibson won it like a couple years ago, but besides that, it's been a while since I've seen it. So uh, very nostalgic, big fan of it. What I wish, Ryan, is um, I know we're talking about on Thanksgiving, but I would be, and I know they're doing it now this year, and they're really leaning into it this year, so I'm happy about it. I would love it, and I'm happy they're doing it, the college games on Friday. Not all of them. Not all of them. I'm not saying that. I don't want the Iron Bowl at, on Friday at 2.30. They did try uh, that once, yeah. That's very dumb. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was but, a good game, though. It was 2010. Okay. Cam Newton was involved, yes. That was on a Friday? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, man. I remember because I was in high school at the time, uh, and Briarwood Christian went up to play Hartzell nice. that day. And uh, Hartzell notably looks like Alabama. Yeah. And so uh, my teams played and beat Alabama twice that day. But, but yeah, I'm a big fan of those college games being on Friday. Not the huge robberies, not like the game, not like, you know, Auburn, Alabama. But I I love watching, like, the NFL day on Thursday and then Friday, Black Friday, whether you go shopping and all. I've done it a few times. Uh, Then getting to watch some really good college football games and uh, get to celebrate and get ready for the Christmas season. Yeah, so I love football on Thanksgiving. I love it because it, it, it's been a part, you know, my whole life we've watched it on Thanksgiving. Um, the, the Lions, the Cowboys watched both games. 
Uh, and I, I think, you know, I don't think you need to have more college football on it. I love college football. It's my favorite sport in the world. But I don't think any more needs to be on Thanksgiving. The, the, the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving, I think it's the perfect kind of a crazy rivalry that, that warrants itself to be. The, the lone game gets to be highlighted. No, you know, very rarely does the nation – lock on to the Egg Bowl is a must-watch this year. Like, no, like, it's never, and the Egg Bowl has never really been that rivalry game where you're like, oh, game day could be there. It's for national title contention. There was one year, you know, a few years ago when both Mississippi State and, and Ole Miss were good, and they, you know, they're both in the, the the playoff rankings at one point during the year. That was the best, probably the, the, the freeze most. freeze versus Mullen yeah, Egg Bowl, yeah. That was like one of the most. In, uh, or whenever uh, Leach and Kiffin about two years ago, I know they were both ranked pretty, they weren't ranked high they weren't like yeah. that but i mean it was still a it did pretty well but like the the prescott year where he they were they debuted both of them debuted yeah. in the top uh, four that was the most uh you know the biggest egg bowl that i can remember happening but it's just it's a game that it is just the perfect amount of crazy to be centered on the national attention where everybody's like i can sit and i can watch this game on you know cap off the evening watching this you know what could happen you could have a guy pretending to pee like a dog on the on the goalpost yeah. and guess what it costs your team a game yeah and his coach still gets fired after that <laughs> uh or a year later joe uh joe moorhead ended it i think there was there was something i'd have to look it up where you you trace joe moorhead getting fired back to that that uh that moment well it was all missed the butterfly. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. the thing is like somebody traced it back to like joe moorhead got fired because this happened huh. when it happened. and i don't know I, i'd have to go look it up but it is just the right amount of crazy to be there. The one that I'm not a big fan of is the the Thursday night game that NBC now has on there. Uh, I'm I'm all for you know I, I love the NFL, but it it's always been you know uh, for me it was Detroit plays there and Dallas plays there. Those are the only two NFL teams that that need to have a you know need to play on Thanksgiving. Uh, is Detroit gets a game, Dallas gets a game. And then you you leave it at that. You go into Sunday night. You know you're you're recovering from your turkey comas and whatever. Or no, I say Sunday night, Thursday night. Uh, you're recovering recovering from your turkey comas and everything. Uh, but I think that I, I love football on there, and plus, you know. Middle of that uh, that cowboy game or beginning of that cowboy game, uh, really. You go outside. You have your own turkey bowl in the backyard. Oh yeah, and, and play it. Play in it. You you run over some cousins, and uh, it, it's <laughs> it, it's a it's a fun time. Uh, and and so I, I do. I, I like football, and I like those the two games in the afternoon, and I like the egg bowl at, and the new edition of the egg bowl at night. But I, I'm just never. I still have not latched on my team. Uh, the Patriots played on the Thanksgiving game last year, uh, and I just it it was it it. Just didn't doesn't feel right to me that the, that game is uh, on Sunday or Thursday night. So let me propose both of you a question because this is a big topic back in like July and June whenever it first got announced. How do y'all feel about Penn State versus Michigan State for the Land Grant Trophy being in Ford Field on Friday night? I know that rubbed both of those fan bases wrong, so I was wondering how y'all felt about it now. I mean, I don't have a strong opinion. It's because I I don't typically you don't care about follow <laughs> as much. I mean, like I mean, I'm like anyone. I'm going to care if it's a top twenty five game or that sort of thing. And uh, it's just Michigan State's incredibly down these last year or two. Uh, I I mean, I, I I I can only say this now. That rivalry still clearly is a couple notches below the the biggest ones. I mean. I, 
it's a rivalry. I'm not saying it's not, but uh, it's it's just not a top five or ten on on really anyone's list unless you you go to one of those schools. And I would say those are the ones prone to be moved around. Like I mean, I don't know the history of you know Arkansas, Missouri. I believe Arkansas and LSU. It felt like Arkansas LSU played on a Friday. Uh, the last week of the year, they did. I, I think that's what it used to be, and then Missouri joined the league, uh, and, and that became Friday. So it's kind of just something Arkansas's done for a while. But I, I don't know if those people would scream, "Oh, we got to play Friday." I mean, maybe they'd be fine with Saturday. I, you know, I, I would say that I'm okay with mo- moving some of the tertiary stuff because I know that uh, some years North Carolina will play North Carolina State on Friday, and that's the type of rivalry. Like, sure, I. I love North Carolina. My parents went there. I don't think that they have a strong preference one way or another if Carolina plays on a Friday or Saturday against State. Uh, I think we all rather than play Duke at the end of the year, but it's now State. So I I just think that when you have that and you know that there's still a lot of family together on Fridays, I think that's why the college football exists on those Fridays. And I think there should still be a slate of games on Friday. And if you're not a top-tier rivalry, you're just apt to be one of those type of appetizers. So I certainly understand if you're a fan base of those teams, you might feel a certain kind of way. But from my vantage point, it's someone that uh, the Big Ten is just another conference for me. I don't really think that Penn State and Michigan State have enough clout, even though they're Penn State's a big program, Michigan State's a, a, mid, a, a mid-power five program. I don't think they that rivalry has enough clout to just be able to stand tall and say, no, we're doing this at this time. And so, I again, I I know people in, in at State College and, and in East Lansing are going to have a, a, a stronger opinion, obviously. But, I, I you know, I, if those universities are fine with it, uh, I mean, again, it's not something I want to be uh, strongly opposed for or against. I love college football on that Friday. I love f- college football on the Friday after Thanksgiving. I have – I'll actually say this. Uh, I've actually enjoyed it a little bit less in these last few years only because it's turned out that I've, I've been traveling on that Friday and sure. haven't gotten to sit down and watch them. Uh, but otherwise, I love those co- those games. Uh, I remember when, when Nebraska and Colorado would be like the 11 o'clock game on that Friday, and it was always so fun to watch. Now it's kind of gotten – now it's uh, Iowa and Nebraska are that 11 o'clock game, which is just your great appetizer. You might get Nebraska-Colorado again, though, about the could. same league you again. You could. Uh, well, no, I'm no. sorry. That's not I was about to say, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll – Colorado's going back to where they came from nebraska still in the big 10 um sorry but i'll say this i i love the college football on friday don't put it in ford field it's a conference game get 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 it back in your get get it in your home stadiums i and we we talked about this when the big 12 uh, announced that they were going to do conference basketball games and stuff in mexico city no yeah. Get it out of here. Yeah. If you want to play Michigan State versus I don't know uh, Kentucky in the in in the Ford Field, sure. Penn State versus Clemson in Ford Field, yeah, let's do it at the beginning of the year with the neutral site games that happen. Don't give me a conference game in a neutral site. Uh, I don't care what day it is. Do not put a conference game outside of your conference championship game in a neutral site. It, they those do belong on college campuses. Well, and. <laughs> not I'm going to make a joke of this here. I the concept of having American universities 
play in not America. Yeah. Uh, it baffles me uh, because, okay, um, if two colleges that play soccer in England were to do a game in New York, I'm sorry, but no one would care. <laughs> and they shouldn't. Like, I'm telling you actively, the people of Mexico should not care about the Big 12 coming to their their country because it's not their country. And these are college kids and not their country. <laughs> And it, sure, it, there may be a couple guys that'll make the NBA, but they'll care about them when they're in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's not the it's not the highest level of sport. I mean, it, it's still number two behind all the professional sports. So again, you just, again just ask yourself whatever sport you love, are you going to watch that if it's colleges and universities from different countries? Again, I'm sorry if German basketball school, you know, colleges play a basketball game over here. No thanks. If there's Dennis Schroeder out there, I'll see him in a couple years in the NBA. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't need it now, I, I, and why, and I don't care. So that 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 struck a chord. Still, the, the Big Twelve. That's uh, that's malarkey, uh, is what that is. Uh, but malarkey. TP, any thoughts here before we wrap up the hour there? Uh, I, on the own question on the yeah. Penn State, Michigan State. I mean, I you, think I, I I agree with Brooks. I, I don't. I don't care that it's on Friday because, like you said, Michigan State's really trended downward while Penn State's kind of that, you know, they're the third best program in the Big Ten. I, I would like it on college campuses, though. That I, I don't see why they decide, you know what, we're going to put this game in Ford Field. So, especially a conference game. Like you said, neutral site, beginning of the year, fine, whatever. But uh, I, I'm not a fan of them taking away from universities home and home. And last thing I'll say just about the day in general, like, yes, I also um, – I'm good with just about everything that's done on Thanksgiving. It is notable that the NBA does not play Thanksgiving because they are usually the main sport to play on Christmas, um, and, and that makes sense to me. I think the Egg Bowl has established something that is special, and it does feel like it needs to be a Thanksgiving game. I don't want an over-infestation of it, though, because Thanksgiving is, at the end of the day, still a holiday. I'm still, some, it's still someone that's very aware that if you work in the sports world, then your holidays are at risk. And look, there's other professions out there. I certainly know this growing up in a family that uh, had uh, my parents work in a hospital. And you, you understand that some things can't turn off and some things are always needed. Uh, however, sports are, are, not, um, are not something that have to go above and beyond. Like, I feel we need them. I think it's important to society. I think a lot of people enjoy them it's great entertainment that's why we do what we do that's why there's so many podcasts and shows that talk sports but at the end of the day it does cause a lot of families to be uh be occupied on those days so i'm not necessarily looking to increase especially at the college level i'm not trying to to increase that uh, i think what we've done traditionally with the nfl is fine i'm not necessarily opposed to that third game uh, again, it should it should not ever be more than that. It, I, I don't think you should ever have a situation where you have overlapping stuff. Uh, but I could take or leave the third game, but I do think that the traditions are important to keep. So I certainly understand the the likes of the, the Lions and Cowboys continuing to play uh, on Thanksgiving. We are out of time for our number one. Again, this pre-recorded edition of Sports Call. It'll continue after this timeout. Once we get back from break, we will be talking a little bit about that Egg Bowl. And again, the ramifications. We already talked a little bit about the bowl ramifications for Auburn. Yes, there are some in the five-win teams. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Ole Miss and Mississippi State game more on the Iron Bowl ahead. Also in hour number two, 
Uh, we'll look at the college football slate up until Friday around showtime because there will be some games that go off before we get back on air. We'll talk about those NFL Thanksgiving games and a little bit later the full NFL slate. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday. Again, we are not live from our Tiger Communications studios right now. This has been, uh, or this is a pre-recorded show. We're recording this late Monday night uh, for everyone to consume new on Wednesday Again, appreciate everyone for tuning in and understanding. We, uh, again, had a live show the previous two days on Monday and Tuesday, and we will have a live show, full show with calls and everything on Friday. Uh, But uh, Thursday, no show for Thanksgiving. Again, today, uh, this being Wednesday, we do have a show, but it is being – it is a pre-recorded version, so, of course, cannot call in, but look forward to talking to everybody about the Iron Bowl on this Friday after everyone has a nice helping of turkey stuffing and all – of the great uh, fixings around uh, the holiday season, around Thanksgiving. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit in the final hour. But as we start hour number two, want to start looking at some of the football ahead of us, uh, particularly on Thanksgiving. And, of course, there is that one college football game on Thanksgiving, uh, and it is the Egg Bowl. And the Egg Bowl continues to be just a wild game. And it's one of those where... In national importance, it clearly is not going to rank that highly. It's just not. The The programs have had uh, very little national success over the really entirety of their program, especially Mississippi State, but, again, really not much to show for Ole Miss, although recent years have been better. However, if you think that does not mean the local hatred for one another in the state of Mississippi is not plentiful, I've got news because everyone I've met, uh, from Mississippi, feels some type of way towards the other one. And just because it does not usually have a bunch of numbers beside each team does not mean that there is a not high percentage of hate in the heart uh, for either the school in Starkville or in Oxford. So the Egg Bowl is a fun one. It's the only one uh, for college on Thursday, TP. Now Ole Miss is favored pretty heavily. It is in Starkville. They got Will Rogers back last weekend against Southern Mississippi. Uh, 
do you do you worry if you're Ole Miss? I mean, they were a little flat against ULM uh, last week. They were down or up seven three at half. Weird score. They did act as they should as an SEC team in the second half, unlike other teams. And so, uh, painful to say, I just laughed through the pain. Ole Miss did have a resounding second half. Was that a case of them looking ahead, or will they be prepared, and will things go a little differently than they did last year? Well, I think this is one of those rivalry games where you kind of just chunk their records out of the out of there because they really do hate each other. I know very few fans from both sides, but I know that they legitimately do not like each other very much. It's no facade. They actively do not like each other. And these games have been close. Now, granted, these teams have been better over the past few years with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin taking over. The only time that they weren't great was with um, Matt. Uh, Matt Luke. Matt Luke and uh, Joe Moorhead, who is now the head coach at Akron. Uh, it was those two Those two programs were kind of like very average. Even the first year Moorhead, though, went eight and five with Mullins' yeah. residual players there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I think, uh, I think it'll be a closer game than people expect. I think it's just because it's in Starkville. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be a great – it'll probably be – I mean, I think Ole Miss will win. I think they'll win by probably two touchdowns. I think I think it'll be like thirty-one to seventeen. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was like halftime and it was like ten to ten, and people were kind of clowning, uh, kind of clowning, you know, the Rebels there. But uh, I know that their coach, the new interim for um, the Bulldogs, I don't know him personally. I'm just saying I know that he has a lot of momentum. I saw he's a popular figure in the locker room. He drew he, he uh, drove a four wheeler in the locker room or something. <laughs> Something like that. So uh, he's got the support there. I think they'll come out. I think they'll play well. But I think in the end, the more talented, the better team is going to win that football game. I think Ole Miss will win. So, Brooks, when you're looking at this Egg Bowl again, uh, Mississippi State is heavy underdogs. We did see Will Rogers back last week, and he was not great, 12-27, getting his feet back under him um, as he gets ready for the finale of his career. State does have something on the line other than the Egg Bowl. They are trying to get bowl eligible, get to that sixth win. And again, as TP said, it feels like it's one of those that, again, it's it's certainly a rivalry with enough hatred to sustain closer games. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I, I feel like it, it's going to be a little bit closer than what people think. Uh, it, it's you know, Ole Miss is is the team that can put up points uh, on on different teams, but you know the the thing is is they you know they haven't played in, in too many. Uh, you know, too many games here recently where they've, you know, against qual- more quality opponents where they've just, you know, put up skyrocketing numbers. I know you started out the year, uh, you know, 73 points against uh, Mercer, 48 points against uh, Georgia Tech, 55 against LSU. Well, since that LSU game, you won a game 27 to 20, uh, 28 21. You beat Vandy 33 to 7. Um, then. Texas A&M 38 to 35. You lost uh, 52 to 17 to Georgia, and then this past week you owe Monroe 35 to three. And so it it, has, it it feels like their defense is a little you know it, it it's taken some you know you got into better competition as the years gone on, and it kind of gone back to what uh, we've we've known from an from an Ole Miss uh, defense under Lane Kiffin, where it's fine, it gets the job done, but it's going to give up some points there. I think that that could be a, a case here. Uh, I still think that LSU probably or not LSU. Uh, Ole Miss probably wins the game by ten, uh, but I, I think that uh, I think this Ole Miss offense, 
uh, is able to put up some points. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, because of the defense they're facing. I don't think it's because of their their offensive capabilities. I think everything you're gonna if they put you know they end up putting up some points. I think it's going to be because of the defense they're facing, and and uh, I think Ole Miss ends up winning this game by ten. I'll tell you what. You know, TP, you brought up their their uh, interim head coach, Greg Knox. This is his third time he's been an interim head coach. Okay. His second time being the Mississippi State interim. He was the interim head coach at Mississippi State back in 2017 uh, and and won them the Tax Slayer uh, Gator Bowl. Uh, he's he, like I said, he's he's three and one as an interim head coach uh, and three stops, all three in the SEC as a as a interim. And now two at Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, that's you don't get the interim in the same place twice very often. No, but, uh, uh, that, that, that's something else. But did you know the line was ten and a half? I'm just curious when you when you said. And again, we're recording this Monday night. It's after. I knew change, it opened but, at thirteen. Okay, it's ten and a half. Now, okay, so you're you're right on that that number basically. So here's here's the unknown. The unknown is what can Will Rogers and that offense do? What what does it look like? I mean, do they try to function more like they did under Leach? Is that system just too unique to be able just to up and go to, you know, probably? And so if that's the case, we're talking about a Mississippi State that, by the way, was not scoring really enough and doing enough with Will Rogers before he got hurt. I mean, it's clearly better than the last few weeks, and Rogers is still a competent SEC quarterback. But I don't think that all of a sudden it becomes incredibly sophisticated and very hard to deal with. I'm going to regret it. I don't go bold often. I'm going to say Ole Miss beats them up bad. Uh, I know it's in Starkville, but I think this is one of those where Ole Miss, in a vacuum, okay, not not necessarily on the road and not necessarily in a rivalry game, I think Ole Miss is at least three scores better than them. And so I think that once they get it going, it's going to be hard to stop. Uh, and I've been wrong in this before because State usually overplays what I think they're they're capable of in this game. And, again, that goes to the rivalry. But I'm going to be a little bullish on Ole Miss and have them to win something around 38-17 uh, and win pretty decisively. And even games like that, you, you sound like it's just absolutely a butt-whooping the whole time. That very easily could be 17-14 at half, you know, or, or, or even less than that could be. Uh, 14 to 10. I mean, it, it very easily could be something doable at half, but then you have one explosive quarter and it changes it. So I'm going to go Ole Miss confidently. However, last last thing I'll say about it, uh, what if the coach is distracted again like last year? Again, mm. uh, that's that certainly was a concern last year, mm. and I, I don't think that 7-3 at half on ULM was enough to ward off concerns of that. So – that's the one thing I'm looking out for, but I do legitimately think Ole Miss is three to four scores better than Mississippi State, so I think it will. I'm going to pick it, play out that way, and actually be a, a rivalry game that is is a little anticlimactic, even though there's not many of those exist. I was looking at the slate just as a side here, real quick, uh, before we go to our next break and uh, we break down some of the other games uh, of the weekend, not not particularly of Saturday, but of Friday. That. There's these rivalries are still great. We lose one or two each year because of conference realignment. We're going to continue to uh, some team and look. Some teams are babies. Uh, some schools are babies. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State figured out uh, because Washington and Washington State just did. I mean, they just agreed to a five year contract, uh, twenty four through twenty eight. 
So it can be done, folks. It's, it, you don't l- leave a conference and then never talk to each other again. It, it can be done. And but, Washington State is not particularly happy with Washington no, leaving. No, because Washington and Oregon were the final straws. I mean, USC initiated. Colorado didn't help. But once Washington and Oregon left, that that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. So every right to be upset. And yet, you know what? We still want to play the Apple Cup. And, and good for them. I, I, I You don't have to say goodbye to every rivalry just because some conferences change. But anyway, a lot of the rivalries this week – are unfortunately with one team significantly ahead or behind the other. There's some pretty historically solid rivalries that are just not in a great place coming into the week. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, You know, I I won't really put Texas, Texas Tech on that list just because Texas had been playing down (laughs) for several years. I mean, Texas, Texas Tech had been more even just because Texas was not – who Texas normally is. So you don't have to really include that one. But one team in Louisville has way past Kentucky. That's usually a pretty even game. Uh, You have Florida, Florida State. And and I'll tell you what, that Louisville-Kentucky game is usually a rivalry you kind of forgets on. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it's usually a 6-5 versus 6-5, except this year one's 6-5, one's 10-1. You've got Florida, Florida State, which, again, that one usually nationally is very big. Because in general, 1990 on, both those teams ranked at minimum. And many a years, both teams ranked highly, asked Bobby Bowden and Steve Spurrier. But even Urban Meyer teams with the overlapping of uh, early Jimbo Fisher or into Bobby Bowden. I mean, again, they're, that rivalry usually has some teeth. Uh, no pun intended towards Florida. But that really doesn't this year. I mean, unless Travis being out makes a world difference. But again, just team-wise, stakes-wise, doesn't mean a lot. Georgia, Georgia Tech. And look, you might laugh at that. Georgia Tech's actually a little better this year. They're going to make a bowl game. Uh, good work by them. Haynes King slinging it around. Wouldn't be shocked if Brent Key, I don't, I'm not saying he's going anywhere, but wouldn't be shocked if his name gets floated around a little bit in coaching sure. carousel. But you've got to remember that, okay, typically Georgia, not number one in the country, <laughs> decidedly was not that for a long period of time. Still a competent team, an eight to nine win team. Again, Mark Rick years, nine wins a lot. But nine win team versus seven ish win Georgia Tech team all of a sudden feels way more even. And occasional good Georgia Tech team here and there. Well, Georgia Tech's been awful until this year for the last five or six years, while Georgia has been the height of its program. And so that doesn't exactly ring an exciting bell the last decade or so, last under a decade. And I'll tell you, the else, it, you know, it feels like Georgia's in, dominated that uh, that rivalry, and it, they have. But you know, you, you think you start thinking back to it. Uh, Georgia Tech, it, Georgia's only won, and I say only, but Georgia's only won five in a row over Georgia Tech. So they've gotten one here in, in the recently too. And then again, in the in the annals of college football, I don't know if this one is necessarily one that everyone lusts over especially in this part of the country but it doesn't get more lops much more lopsided than arizona and arizona state arizona being a top 20 program this year and a really quality team and arizona state's three and eight and just got it, oregon had a name your score type of game against them they, they turned off the valve at halftime <laughs> but if they wanted to leave the water running it could have gotten to 70 i mean it, it could have been whatever they wanted it to be uh so 
you know, that again, you may not care that much about that game, but I'm just telling you, those two programs usually are not separated by five wins. Uh, so I, it just felt like time and time again when I was looking at it uh, this this week, there was a lot of lopsided stuff in there, which is a little sad. But also, if you do get just one or two healthy upsets, Apple Cup's one of them. That's a big deal if Washington loses. They shouldn't. They're better than Washington State. But Washington State did just inform Colorado of their <laughs> shortcomings this past week. So uh, you, you never know for sure because they're rivalry games. But, again, there are – some wider gaps in it, in a lot of these teams than normal, and that sets us up for ho- hopefully not, but a potentially a little bit duller rival rivalry week experience. Easy for me to say. Uh, I think now is a perfect time for the next timeout of the show and let myself recover. On the other side of this break, we will talk about the other college football games that are going to be coming up kind of early Friday or most of Friday. I mean, we don't go on air till three, so. We'll talk about some of those games in the Friday slate coming up next. A little bit later, we'll talk about the NFL Thanksgiving games, the NFL slate, some more Iron Bowl, uh, and our thoughts on all of the great Thanksgiving food out there. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and TP Hammock with you here on this Wednesday. Again, friendly reminder, we are not coming to you live today, so we are not able to take phone calls. This is being pre-recorded on a late Monday night. I keep telling you the times for reference, uh, that it is more of a late-night pod or a late-night show. It's going to end up being a podcast, too, uh, but about 9.30 as, uh, as we're taping this right now, so... And appreciate everyone for uh, listening in and understanding as we get uh, one extra day off there for Thanksgiving, and but still provide you new show content. And if we say anything incoherent, it's because it is late, not because we've already gotten into Thanksgiving wine. <laughs> is Thanksgiving wine a thing for you? Um, it could be. <laughs> it's it's readily available. Okay. I've never partaken in it, but you know, you never know what can happen. I don't think I've had a sip of alcohol on a Thanksgiving. Well, you I've had McDonald's Sprite. That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, get ready to grow up. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, I will tell you this. I think some people are driven to drink because of the size of the gatherings, and it is never. usually just my parents and myself, or, or maybe in an older time, a grandmother. But uh, never really was a huge family. You ever take a a pre-dinner walk with the cousins? Sure haven't. (laughs) Well. Uh, Sure have not. (laughs) You need need one after uh, that. I mean, uh, no, it, it's it's uh, that that's where you get it. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. You take All a little, right. Take a little stroll. <laughs> come right. back. Hope, hope your parents are listening to this. <laughs> get retroactively punished like <laughs> ten years later. Anyway, 
Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I will I will not be doing that. We are not doing that in this uh, this here studio right now. We are so it's it's purely uh, sleep deprivation. If it's, right. if if you hear us say stuff, uh, absolutely. So we move on and we hit on some of these games here uh, coming up Friday early or as we're going on the year Friday, because, of course, with no show on Thursday, this is the time to talk about some of these games. And none of them in the early part are huge. I will run through them briefly here. You have TCU going to number 14, Oklahoma. TCU's 5 and 6. They need that to make a bowl. Number 16, Iowa, goes to Nebraska. They are also 5 and 6. Need it for a bowl. Miami and Boston College, a battle of 6 and 5s. That's still 11 a.m. Memphis and Temple. Toledo and Central Michigan. Central Michigan also 5-6, and six, needing that for a bowl. Ohio playing Joe Moorhead's Akron Zips. Also Austin Scott's Akron Zips. Not going well for the Zips this year. And then at 2.30, UTSA had a nice uh, start here in the AAC at 8-3. and three. They're going to number 24, Tulane. That's actually a big game in that conference. Utah State goes to New Mexico. And then 3 o'clock as we're going on air, Air Force and Boise State. Air Force certainly has had a uh, troublesome time after starting 8-0. And number nine, Missouri at four and seven. Arkansas, and obviously the storyline there, guys, is that no matter what happens, Sam Pittman will return for another year. I mean, you give me a thought on that. Missouri favored by seven and a half. That's not exactly a uh, overwhelmingly positive line for a top 10 team in the country. It is a road game, but again, Arkansas just four and seven. So out of that slate, what stands out maybe of that Missouri-Arkansas game in particular? Well, you know, the, the Arkansas game, uh, it, it really feels like the, the uh, you know, the fan base in, in, in Fayetteville and around the, the Ozarks over there, they were, ups, they were frustrated with the year. I think equally for Sam Pittman, you could tell he was frustrated with the year. I think the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, at the administration was frustrated with the year. But I think that they all – uh, they all kind of, you know, said, "All right, let's let's hold on. We you've had some good years with us. We we you know we do like your your personality fit with us. We do like your fit here. Let's let's sit back. You know, let, let's not go reactionary here to one bad year. Let's see if you you know you guys can can get it back together next year. And you know we've talked about it. Uh, you know, Arkansas is not a team that's uh, you know going to challenge for an SEC West title." But as long as, you know, starting next year, as long as you get around that, that top 12 area, if you can build a team up there and get around that top 12 area that we've seen Arkansas has been able to do in the past, um, you can, you know, you can sniff those playoffs and you can sniff some of those big, uh, big time games at the end of the year. So I think that with, with you know, the Arkansas administration, they said, let, let's, let's hold on. Let's let one more year go by and see what happens next year. And I'll tell you what. That could be a reason why the the line is not as high because you saw early in the year you saw Arkansas play some games that were close. You played Bama really close. Thought you could have pulled that one out. You played Arkansas or you played LSU very very close. Uh, could have uh, could have easily won that football game. Uh, and I think now with the with the administration giving the renewed uh, backing of Sam Pittman for this year, saying you're good. Uh, and I think that probably maybe fires up the team a little bit. I think that they come in there and they uh, they could could have a, an inspired performance. Plus, you look at last uh, Saturday, Missouri kind of struggled, uh, you know, played around with their food with uh, with Florida a little bit. Florida, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, Florida lost that game. 
They Missouri, I'm not going to say Missouri, they won it, but the Florida had a chance to, to get a big stop, and they they just blew yeah, it. Yeah, fourth and 17, that yeah. feels more of a defensive error. I mean, with all due respect, and I, I'm not trying to take away what's been Missouri's most triumphant moment in, in several years in the league, but – I mean, you have a fourth and seventeen. You expect the game to end right there. Yeah, and so if you're if you're Arkansas, you see that maybe there's something that you can uh, you can take advantage of in that game. So I'm I'm going to bring up two things because you asked about what game I'm interested in, how I feel about Sam Pittman, how I feel about Sam Pittman. Number one, I'm very pro bringing him back. I do not think they should have fired him. I know that. Some people said, oh, well, they decreased in wins every year. And, yeah, I, I understand that. But at the end of the day, he inherited a tire fire. And if they're that bad next year, you know what? Fine. You can fire him. So be it. Find the next head coach. But I do think Sam Pittman's a pretty good coach. I think he can recruit and get the transfer portal. I think they can get back right. And uh, I think they can hire a pretty good offensive coordinator. And I think they can get the, the train back on the tracks. So that that's my thoughts on Sam Pittman. And I'm a little surprised by that line, the seven and a half for Missouri. I thought it'd be a little bit higher. So, um, And then the game that I'm interested in, is the Iowa-Nebraska game. And you may be going, oh, why, why is that, TP? Well, oh, I know why. I just don't <laughs> like it. Yeah. Well, at, at the time of this recording, Monday night at 9.39 p.m., the over-under is 26.5. And, and just from a pure comedy standpoint, I'm going to go with that game because I remember watching it last year, and Iowa needed to beat Nebraska to make it into the Big Ten uh, West title game. And uh, now this year, I was already clinched it. I don't know how, but they are going to be in Indianapolis representing the Big Ten West. Uh so I'm interested to see if Nebraska can win and make a bowl game for the first time in, I think, five or six years. It's been a long time since Nebraska's have been bowling because they never went with Scott Frost. And so uh, it's been a while. So I'm really interested to see that because I know they are a rivalry game. It's a very boring rivalry, but it is nevertheless a rivalry game. So I'm interested in Iowa-Nebraska. I'm going to wake up at 11 on CBS to watch that one being played with a great crowd in Nebraska. So I'm looking forward to that 10-7 to football game. Ryan, what game are you looking forward to? Well, not that. <laughs> um, Do you I, think the line will go lower? That's my question. Yeah, maybe. It's I already mean, at a historic low. If I, it closed right now, it would be the lowest. I level. usually see this why I don't bet. I, I talk myself into every over because I am an offensive guy. That's the one t- – I've said all – just under. Just just <laughs> under. And it's it's cashed. Like every single time it's cashed. It's, it's, you, don't do, you don't do the over in Iowa games. And, and so, yeah. Uh, th- my thought on Pittman just was I think that personally he is just still, as I've said many times, an easy guy to root for. Uh, the fit seems like it's there. Obviously, at some point, you have to win, though. And if they are – I mean, I would think it would take a year. I don't think he can go even 6-6 six and six next year. I think he needs back to about an eight-win team next year. Uh, but he did it his second year, so it, it's doable, and he needs, to, he needs to get back there. Professionally, I just – I don't know, man. And maybe if you're Arkansas, you feel that you're just kind of down there anyway. But I, I've talked about this all year. The dynamic of having two more teams you have to beat come into this league that are so clearly above the the middle ground teams in this league, 
I mean, Arkansas will enter the league next year two places worse than this year. Period. They didn't do they didn't do anything positive. They could get they could get portal pieces, get a new quarterback, whatever, get a nice coordinating hire. Doesn't matter. They're two spots below next year where they were this year already because of Oklahoma and Texas. And so I just think that they are, are probably more in the wishful thinking camp. But look, it, if there's a guy to cheer for out there, it's him. It's Mr. Have me a cold beer. I mean, you know, like I, I'm not going to root against that guy unless he's playing Auburn. So, I, you know, I, I hope it works out well for him. But I, I just I, I would find it hard to believe that that's going to end up being a solution for them for multiple, multiple more years. Uh, the other stuff in the in the early window, as far as that game itself, yeah, I just think they're banking on Arkansas being the Arkansas we saw for about seven or eight games. Could hang around, but just can't can't figure it out. Not enough offense, that sort of thing. I know not a whole lot of people will care, uh, but I think the game that I would talk about for just a moment is that UTSA and Tulane game. Tulane is a ranked team. Tulane is on the heels of a season last year in which it defeated USC in the New Year's Six. And it's a team that is a part of a fascinating American equation that, again, no one's really talking about. Tulane, SMU, and UTSA are all 7-0 and in that league. And we have the fortune that Tulane is playing UTSA. So that the loser of that game is very likely – going to miss the conference championship games. SMU plays Navy. Navy's fine. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're in the middle of the pack. But assuming SMU wins, the winner is in, the loser's out. And if you're Tulane, you're looking at it as a top 25 team. You're trying to secure another New Year's Six bid. And also, if you're Tulane, why people will care far more in 12 months, this would be for a playoff spot. Because with the Pac-12 dying... And you're going to change the model. It's not going to be six plus six. It's going to be five plus seven. There's still one going to be group of five conference that would get a place in the playoffs. So this kind of game would matter so much more next year than it will this year. And Tulane's only loss, again, is to Ole Miss, which A, is still perfectly fine. But, B, they didn't even have their quarterback, and they were playing a 50-50 game to the final few minutes. So Tulane has still had a really good follow-up to what their season was last year. Uh, And you could make a better argument for Willie Fritz to get a different job, a better job, and be involved in some of these coaching carousel debates. And, again, like I I can't explain this enough. You might not care this year. You would care next year because that's going to be someone's playoff matchup. So I care a lot about that game, and I'm going to be interested to see. UTSA was a slow start, but they got healthy, and then their first year in the league, and they're right up there with uh, with SMU and, and Tulane. Uh, another game that you know I I, I didn't get to uh, to give my other game. The other game that I'm looking for. And it's not because we've got it on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, on Friday, TCU in Oklahoma. Yes, it is. It is, <laughs> it is because of the interesting uh, dynamic that I know you, you could still, you know, a couple five-win teams can still get into the, the bowls if you don't have enough. But if TCU and Sonny Dykes goes from, hey, we're playing in a national title last year, to missing the postseason altogether, unless there's an emergency situation where you get pulled in, 
uh, that could be big. That could be very, very big. You could start getting some some rumbles in Fort Worth about job security uh, for Sonny Dykes. And I know it's it's you know you're like one year, uh, you know this is. But you're you're a TCU team that now with and you know much like Arkansas is taking two steps back in in the SEC once uh, Texas and Oklahoma join. TCU is taking two steps forward in that conference when Texas and Oklahoma leave because TCU is a team that we've seen in Rose Bowls, we've seen them in BCS Bowls, we've seen them in in uh, in the playoff and a national title in recent history. They're a team that could, you know, they could take advantage of Oklahoma and Texas not being in that conference anymore and start to, you know, really, really contend for playoff spots. And if you, uh, if you're Sonny Dykes and you take that far of a step back, you're going to start having some folks there with some deep pockets in Fort Worth start to uh, start to look and say, hey, maybe we could do better than, than, than this. We kept Gary Patterson around for so long, and it got us nowhere. It got us a couple big bowl games, but it didn't get us to the, the promised land. You got us there, but why did you take so many steps back here? Well, I think Patterson had built up a equity because they had the couple great teams, but he's kind of the reason they helped get back to the Big 12 because they had the success. Obviously, they're in the market, but – if they're think of it this way, if they're floundering around at four and eight, five and seven, the Mountain West at that time, is the Big Twelve going to be that eager to add them? Well, they had some New Year's Six bowls with Andy Dalton and the sort, so they said, you know, that plus the market, that's a no brainer for us to go go and grab them. So I think he'd built up equity there. I would just say too, Sonny Dykes is a part of the long line of cautionary tales where you, you got to let things settle for a moment mm. and understand that. There are even there's one awful game out there. There's one great game out there. There's also one awful season out there. There's one great season out there, and it's kind of the the tale where some people are looking at DeBoer at Washington and trying to wonder if he should be getting an, an even bigger job. I would I would say, and I could be wrong, but make him do it without Penix because Tom Allen had a really good year with Penix in Indiana. Yeah, and then they had a, a lackluster year the following year. Then Penix transferred. Now, Tom Allen's about to get fired from Indiana. Indiana's not been even close since Penix left. And granted, Indiana's a tough program to win at. It, it, it's maybe not as it's, – it's, it's far more difficult than Washington. But you have to look at it and say, did a quarterback make someone and is that repeatable? And there's – and as to many things, I know it gets maddening to hear stuff like this. There is a balance. Not not It's not all one way or the other. Some people say, well, you know, this guy was only good because quarterbacks. Yeah, but if it's plural, it means something. That means you evaluated correctly multiple times. And even if you didn't have to develop, you still deserve credit for getting the right guy because it's not necessarily the number one quarterback mm. prospect. It could be number seven, but you were able to land number seven and he turned out to be awesome or number four or whoever. And so I think of that with Clemson right now too. You know, maybe it's running its course with that, but maybe that's true. I don't think you should revise and say he was not a good coach. I think he was an excellent coach because I, there's plenty of talented quarterbacks that coaches mess up and don't win with. Okay, look at Lincoln Riley this year. Like, like you'd think for all the world, Caleb Williams would have been enough to win 10 games easy, no matter what defense you had, no matter what anything had, you win 10 games. And then you see if you can win a championship from there. Okay, well, at Clemson we know with that caliber of quarterback – they did have really good defenses. They did have good running backs. They put NFL re- or receivers in the NFL. 
So it's like, okay, it was it, it might have been great quarterback play, but there were other things to it too. Whereas Lincoln Riley feels like he's never going to win a championship because he's never going to hire the right defensive guys. He's never going to put enough stock into it recruiting. He's just never going to understand that there are two sides of the ball and to be really uh, particular three if you count special teams. There's three groups of people. Uh, and, and so my thought is, is that one of something can be dismissed or explained or overdone but when you do two of something that's when there's a pattern that's when you feel better about it and so you're right for dykes it's like that was a unbelievable year tcu won a playoff game there was nothing little about them last year uh who cares about the title game tcu went to the title game okay that's awesome uh, however, they had multiple NFL players on that roster, which is rare for TCU, and they had a quarterback that, yes, was not destined for the league, but was somebody that clearly was a great college quarterback that's not easily duplicated. And they won a lot of close games, and they and they came out in some 50-50 situations, but, again, they had the very best their ability working for them. And we kind of called this. I remember that was one of my takes this year. I got several wrong. I, was, I liked Clemson too much. But I said they would struggle to make a bowl game. It's why I didn't bat an eye when they lost to Colorado. Because I was like, yeah, they're going to go about six and six. Maybe one, maybe one, maybe one more, maybe one less. And here they are. They're going to be right around that. So that's a troublesome year for them. And, and, and still important for Oklahoma. I mean, there's Big 12 scenarios there with the with the tie uh texas texas deck does play that day so i mean that's uh, that's important if texas wins that that eliminates a lot of those scenarios and you and you dumb it down to pretty much does oklahoma state win yes or no and if they don't does oklahoma win yes or no you, you kind of weed it out that way but uh yeah no no that is an interesting one too brooks uh, for sure and as i mentioned that texas texas game that uh texas texas tech game that's a that's a 6 30 game that night and then uh, you have a situation where at seven o'clock the biggest game of the day we won't talk about it right now but oregon oregon state i don't know uh you know exactly uh what the line will finish at but again that's looking like about a two two touchdown line as of late monday night between oregon oregon state and another opportunity for nicks to improve his heisman campaign we're we're just getting close to the end of the hour here so we'll we'll keep it right here uh just a, a few more minutes uh, left in this second hour of the program we coming up in hour number three we'll have uh the nfl side of things uh this will kind of function a little bit like how we do it on thursday since we don't have a thursday we'll talk some nfl We'll also talk some Thanksgiving food. Uh, we'll also uh, give maybe one last Iron Bowl thought. Uh, when you're looking at, I, I will ask. I'll go ahead and ask one more Iron Bowl question before we before we take this break. Um, everyone perked up right now. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Whoa!" Uh, so did our listeners. Yeah. Uh, so Auburn's offense, aside of thing, because I don't think we hit as much about that. We talked more about Milrow, those wide receivers, that sort of thing. I know TP, you did earlier say about the the pace and trying to emulate more new mexico state what's what's difficult about that though is auburn found more success when they were going more up tempo and i'm wondering what that thought process is because normally you're right you're trying you're trying to keep the better team off the field more often uh, and you're trying to have five and seven minute possessions however 
there's really no proof because Auburn did not start playing better offense until they sped up. There's really no proof Auburn can play slow and actually move the ball. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how you balance balance that. Is it just as simple as I mean, I don't even say if it's simple as first down because if, if you're trying to be slow, you're, there's no time you'd be fast. You know, there's, there's no time you'd want to speed it up. It's like a college basketball team. The, the only time you'd want to go fast is if someone turned the ball over. But, okay, that might happen once uh, in a football game. So maybe you try to quick hit them with a deep ball or something after that. Otherwise, you're talking about five yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, and I don't know. The more I think about it, I just – I don't know if they can sustain those drives against Alabama. Do you do you feel confident that they uh, – what what would be your game plan? Would you feel better than them about running it, seven-yard ends, five-yard curls? I mean, like what would you try to do to establish the the 12 to 13 play productive drives that, that kind of is what's needed to run the, the slower tempo time management type of game so uh, i think it just boils down to being balanced you know that's what new mexico state was able to do the problem is do i think auburn can do that and (laughs) i don't know it looked like jarquez hunter was getting you know some real good momentum before this past game he only had you know eight carries for you know 27 yards or 20 yeah 27 yards so i mean I, you know, and Peyton Thorne had 17 carries, so that should never happen. Peyton Thorne should not have more carries than Jarquez Hunter, especially Jarquez Hunter was on, you know, he was really hot going into that game. So um, I guess you would need to establish the run to get Peyton Thorne some good opportunities to throw the ball and get to Fairweather. I mean, Fairweather has been your best receiver without a doubt. You know, he's been tied in the wide receiving core. I'm not going to go on a tangent to this, but. Man, has it been disappointing? Yeah. It's just been so disappointing because they, they really hit it hard. They did what they were supposed to. They got the portal, but they can't do anything right, it feels like. And Fairweather's been a major hit. He was a great gem, great get for uh, Coach Freeze. But, yeah, I would just say establish the run. And like you said, though, that's the problem. Auburn has not shown that ability to, all right, let's milk it down. Let's let's end this. You know, let's tighten the grip on the opponent, you know. And, uh it just hasn't been able to come into fruition. So it really is one of those things where, you know, it's a stylistic matchup. And I really don't know how Auburn is going to score on Bama because I know they probably will. But, like, it's one of those things where it's just so – it just feels kind of like a mismatch because the whole entire year, Alabama's defense has been great. It's been really good, led by Kevin Steele and – um their other uh, guy that helps out with them, I can't. Uh, his name's blank on me, but they have another guy who really does well with them. But Kevin Steele leads that defense, so um, they've been good the whole entire year. They only did bad against Texas in week two and LSU and uh, previously, but they have Jane Daniels. So I think it's going to be really tough though for Auburn. Um, Peyton Thorne's going to have to play his best game, and that whole entire offense is going to have to play its best game. But even then, will it be enough? I don't know. So we'll just have to see. I think, again, you just have to be – I think you have to (laughs) – the balance within the balance. I don't think you can go into it – and I know that usually with slow-tempo teams or or game plans that are slower, you kind of have to be committed to the slow because you're playing the long game. But I think they have to be balanced, and I think that they have to show Alabama that they would play with pace because I just don't – 
we go back into it, and again, the New Mexico State game just ruined everything. I go back into it. But what we saw this past Saturday, again, Auburn is not going to put together – I said this about coming in the Georgia game. Auburn's not going to have four or five drives of 70, 80 yards, uh, or at least not without a 20, 30, 40-yard play. And I still think those passes were open against New Mexico State. Peyton Thorne just was not looking in the right place. He missed several wide-open guys. They were there at times, even despite uh, Coach Freeze calling out the receivers and and that sort of thing. Uh, I just don't think they can win uh, with with perf- perfect ball control, it would just take immense ex- execution throughout the whole game. Again, New Mexico State still had plenty of times where Auburn had a shot at them. They had to convert a lot of third downs. They missed a couple sacks. Uh, you know, they, they they executed everything. I mean, perfectly, and that's what it takes. Uh, now, coming off the heels of your worst game, can you play your best game? Sometimes sports work that way, uh, but. I think that they will have to say, you know what, if there's five minutes left in the half, we're going to try and sit on it. But I think they also need to say, okay, we're at the Alabama 46-yard line to start a drive because of a bad punt or something. We need to go, go, go. We need to score. Uh, and so I, I think that, that that is going to be the true testament of – and also their belief in their defense. I mean, if they're not going fast, and they clearly are, are very skeptical about the Alabama – uh, offense of which has been very good as of late we are heading to our end of our timeout right now when we come back hour number three ahead we'll talk some nfl the thanksgiving day slate Fr- friday game we'll discuss that and also uh, again the entirety of the nfl slate a little bit later we'll have our moment with thanksgiving food what we're looking forward to what we could do without what's like overrated. We'll talk about that coming up in the third and final hour. Stay tuned. This is a pre-recorded edition of Sports Call New here on this Wednesday on Tiger 95.9. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, my name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got C.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress with me. And if you're listening to this on the radio, this is the third hour of the program. However, this is a not a live edition of the show. It is a new edition of the show. Again, we are uh, putting this out as the Wednesday show 
pre-recording it late on a Monday, uh, now about 10 o'clock on a Monday night as we pre-record this. So again, uh, can't really talk basketball and that sort of thing because, well, we don't know what happened Tuesday night inside Neville Arena. But uh, yeah, so that's why uh, able to get everyone home for the holidays there or for Thanksgiving on Wednesday and uh, give everyone the opportunity to have two days off. We will be back with a full new and live show on Friday for everyone to be able to call in uh, and, and get their word in on the Iron Bowl. Uh, we usually on Thursdays talk a lot of NFL. Well, we have not really talked NFL yet today, so we're going to talk about it right now uh, and get our thoughts on the Thanksgiving Day slate as well as a few other notable games. And uh, we were talking a little bit about it when we were just talking about the tradition of having football on Thanksgiving. But there are three games in the National Football League on Thanksgiving Thursday, 11.30 a.m., Detroit Lions 8-2, and two, Green Bay Packers 4-6. and six. No, I did not reverse the records. That's <laughs> usually what you would think would be Green Bay versus Detroit. But, uh, no, it's Detroit versus Green Bay 8-2 and two and 4-6. and six. Dallas plays host at 3.30 to Washington. Commanders with an evil loss to the Giants this past week to really damn any possibility of them getting into the wild card race. They are now 4-7, and seven, and Dallas is 7-3. and three. And then you've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. That's an important one in the West. 49ers looking much better the last couple weeks. The Seahawks had an unfortunate loss to the Rams. Uh, but it is on Seattle's home field. So, guys, what about uh, just overall thoughts on the slate? Are you excited about these three games for Thanksgiving or take them or leave them? I'm very excited for these games. I'm always excited for, like I said, it's very nostalgic to see the Lions playing on that um, after lunch or before lunch, depending on what time you eat. I don't know. It just it always makes me really excited. Like, I go to bed on Wednesday night excited to watch that that opening game, which may sound strange, but I don't know. It just, it just brings back good memories, you know, and, I couldn't care less about the Cowboys game, but uh, but for the 49ers game, I, 49ers are playing the Seahawks. We need to start a dialogue about Geno Smith being very average this year. He has returned to his to being average. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, of seven interceptions, with a QBR of 89.7, and with a loaded quarterback class like we see. And he only threw for he threw for 112 yards. Oh my bad, I was looking at the wrong way. He threw for 233 yards, one touchdown, zero picks. But he's been he's been getting better. But there was a part in the middle of the season where he was really bad. But I, with a loaded quarterback class, I could see the Seahawks going towards a quarterback. But nevertheless, I'm excited for that night game. I know it's a little untraditional, like Brooks was talking about earlier. I'm not used to seeing a night game for NFL. I'm used to just watching the Egg Bowl at night, and I'm usually pretty content with that because it's just the, uh, you know, it feels like you get pro, you get pro day, or you get professional football for the afternoon and the early or the morning slash afternoon, and then you get the Egg Bowl to cap it off. So I'll still be tuning in for it, but. Overall, I'm very excited for that Lions game. Even though it is against the Packers, I will tune in any day of the week to watch the Packers lose as a Bears fan. After all, they do own us. So it, <laughs> even with this bad team, they blew us out. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that Detroit Lions game on uh, Thursday right before I eat some turkey. Yeah, the uh, you know, the Lions game for me is always you're watch, I'm watching the parade. The parade, the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade 
always ends after the the Lions game has come on, so I always come in like halfway through the first quarter, and somebody's already scored. Uh, and usually, usually not the Lions. Usually yeah. not the Lions. Um, but it's it's going to be fun to this year to kind of watch a Lions team that should be uh should be better this year. Get a win on uh, on Thanksgiving. Um, get see who gets handed the turkey legs and and everything at the end of the game. That that should be really fun. Um, I'll tell you what, and uh, TP, I know you've been you've been dogging the game uh, all, all show long, but I've got a feeling, and I don't know what it is, but I've just got the, the, this feeling that that Washington. I don't. I'm not going to say they're going to beat the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys probably still win this game, but I would not be shocked if Washington makes it a makes it a really close football game. Uh, and I really like have liked what Sam Howell's done this year. I really like it. I saw him firsthand against my Patriots a few weeks ago, uh, and so I, I think the the Commanders can keep that game closer than you think it is. Uh, Dallas still undefeated at home. I. I think they keep it that way. I think they ultimately win the game, but I think that could be a, a closer game than uh than than the uh the the uh what than do you me. think it the, than, than TP you think it uh, it, it would be. Well, you know, I, I really do think Howell's been solved this year. Now they, he does have a few he'll go about two games and look pretty good and then he'll just have a turnover fest and then he'll look good for two games and have another turnover fest and that's what unfortunately what happened against new york i think he had four turnovers yeah. at least three I, I, one of them one of them was not his fault but you, you start getting in all that i will say he has led the nfl in passing uh, and i think that he does look like a starting nfl quarterback and i think that washington just needs to work on some other things they're gonna they're gonna fire their coach and, and they're gonna do some some other things so I, I think washington has some hope with him i'm not going to to promise you that he's going to be a long-term guy but i do think that i see a starting nfl quarterback in him uh the problem is and what again like i talked about getting better around him is uh they can't block and uh they're not going to be i'm going to break the news they're not going to block micah parsons very well uh dallas's defensive front is very good and they they cause a lot of havoc and sam howell is going to be running for his life and that boy might not make it uh, uh, through that game, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm sorry, but but the, if he has time, they will make plays, and that will be a high scoring game. But otherwise, I just I think he's going down five, six, seven times in that game. I think Dallas could really torment them uh, up front. Uh, I also think that uh, when we're looking at the slate, Detroit that that could be this is hyperbolic. I understand that. A borderline religious experience <laughs> for a good Lions team to beat the Packers on Thanksgiving, like at, at their home field. I just feel like that could be a borderline religious experience after all of the years of being bad and all the the beatdowns they've had to suffer. Some of which are on Thanksgiving. Uh, they kind of started to turn things around last year. I think they beat the Packers once, if not twice. They might have swept them last year, but they, I know they beat them at least once. And I just think to trying to turn the tables, as TP said, like no one in that division likes the Packers, I assure you. I mean, when when a team dominates a division for a, a set period of time, everyone kind of bands together and say, you know what, I don't you know, I don't really like you, but you're the enemy of my enemies, my friend, and just please not the the darn cheese heads again. <laughs> uh, Brooks, you go through it the other way with the AFC East. Everyone in the AFC East is just like, All right, that was twenty years of that crap. That was enough of that. 
I don't care if it's Tua or Josh Allen or eh, Jets, uh, whatever. Just somebody else for a few years, please. Uh, that that's kind of how it goes when when a team dominates the division. So uh, I, I think that they're all trying to prey on the Packers right now and take advantage of this downfall. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, and then again, I just think the 49ers Seahawks is just objectively a good football game. I, I think that. As TP said, Geno Smith has clearly not been as good. I talked earlier about college coaches and quarterbacks and, and trying to see if one of something is is misleading. And maybe one year of Geno Smith playing good football was misleading. Might, might have been. Could have been coaching staff. I know Dave Canales was his quarterback coach last year. He is now in Tampa as the OC. Mayfield's looking a little more passable this year. Not awesome, but again, just marginally better. And you wonder if it was a little Canales. You wonder if the league figured something out. You wonder if Smith just had, again, a a, a awestruck year and it's just not be the same for him. But I, I, I'm, I agree with you, TP. I'm, I'm looking out for that too. I've not been overly impressed. I think the team's pretty good. I still think Pete Carroll's really good. I think that that is an interesting game. Look, I mean, there's still a lot to play for. They're one game back. They went on their home field. We're tied. We're looking at in the uh, tie-breaking scenarios and all that with six weeks left. I mean, Seattle's not in a bad place here because San Francisco had that three-week stretch. Unfortunately for them, Purdy just had the first passer, uh, perfect passer rating in San Francisco 49ers history. I, it was my best of the week. Yeah, I had a best that was against the Bucks. by the way, on a Monday. <laughs> Uh, you grow and you mature. But not Steve Young, not Joe Montana. Brock Purdy had the first perfect passer rating in 49ers history. So uh, he's playing better football. They're healthy. That has a lot to do with that. Uh, and so I think that the 49ers will probably still come out on top there. But look, I mean, that that could be a big moment for Seattle. It, Geno Smith could beat the allegations, and he could end up having a good game against a good team. And Again, tie up the division. And then we think differently about Seattle. And we think differently about San Francisco, too, by the way. I mean, I think that uh, if you're looking at that and you see a situation where San Francisco, knowing that's an important game, then loses that game, I think you start to wonder if they're actually on the same tier as Philly. Because I kind of think Philly could be on a different tier. And we're we're not going to live react to it, but we've had on the TV all night the Philadelphia-Kansas City game. And no matter how it turns out, I promise you that it was, it's it's not proving Philly to be weak. <laughs> I put it to you that way. So, I I, I want to see the 49ers kind of flex a little bit there, and continue to prove that they are on a different level. The one one other game we'll touch on real quickly and go to our next break, and then we'll look at the rest of the slate and look at uh, some Thanksgiving items. And by items, I mean food. Uh, <laughs> why is there a Friday game again? Dolphins Jets. I, I I guess it's because it's a it's the Amazon Prime game. So I guess it's because the Prime's losing their Thursday night okay. spot, and so they're making it up by throwing it on in the afternoon. Woohoo! We get Tua versus Tim Boyle. Yeah, yeah nothing's going to excite Al Michaels more than trying to talk about Tim Boyle. I mean, who wouldn't be excited? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> myself. <laughs> I, I I'm not going to have access to Prime at two o'clock on a Friday. In fact, I'll be hosting this show. Uh, one hour afterwards. Uh, but good grief. I, I, that's not something that I really need. 
I don't think. <laughs> you know, when we're talking about what we like to see around the holidays, sports wise, that is not uh, one. Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, if you want to go to Christmas, as I mentioned earlier, I think the NBA does a great job on Christmas. I mean, there's five games; at least three of them are incredibly good. I mean, like, like that's a good, that's good stuff. We understand that. I just don't know if Black Friday football on Amazon Prime. Nothing streams America more than Amazon football. <laughs> Have to pay a special subscription. I just I don't know, man. Uh, it's not an overly important game. The Jets are are uh, the Jets, and they have had horrible quarterback play. Just the fact that Tim Boyle is starting for Zach Wilson is self-explanatory for how bad Zach Wilson's been. And I, I'm kind of bummed. You can say what you want if you want to get in the conspiracy theory tank or not. I wanted to see Rodgers come back. I don't care. I, I, I don't, I'm not in the business of deciding what happened or how he's recovered or if he should play or all that. It's not my team. It's not my situation. I just would have been fascinated by a dude three months after an Achilles tear trying to play football again. And, I, I mean, I, I just – I don't know. I I, I kind of wish they were close enough for it to matter, but if they drop to four and seven, I mean, they're going to have to win six in a row to make the playoffs, and that, that's just not happening. So uh, we're, we're pretty much at a standpoint of we're not going to see – uh, Rodgers again this year, even if it was actually doable. And, you know, maybe maybe that was the plan all along, And I, as I get into the conspiracy theory tank. Uh, maybe he just knew that they were in no way in hell going to be close. So it's like, yeah, I could come back in <laughs> December, knowing full and well there was going to be no need to come back in December. I don't know, but I, what do you? is it a day like that you miss Amazon Prime or, or hate not having Amazon Prime, or you just totally pass on that game? Uh, and this, the Black Friday game, yeah. uh, you know, it's really going to be interesting. Uh, and, and I think they'll still, they'll still probably, because it's the Shield, and they'll pr- still probably win it. But with all the college football that happens on Friday, it's going to be interesting to see what what the what people care about more and what I'll say this the, a, a gauge of it. And I know you don't like to use this as a gauge because it's really not the majority of people. But really, what does Twitter talk about more? That that's where I'm going to be looking. Is is Twitter going to be talking about the Dolphins and the Jets more or the the college football that's going on at that that moment? Um, and, and I think that'll that'll tell you a, a little bit of what what's going on around. Uh, it'll people, still be the shield. Man. I I know, but it it, it'll just going to be interesting to see if if, if, see if it's close. if it's dominant or if if the you know college football is is able to grab some momentum there. But you know, I'm just it's a for for me as a Patriots fan, it is a game in your division, and I do like to laugh at the Jets whenever I can, especially because my team is bad. Um, but it's it's a game that I'm I I'll try to remember to, or I'll remember to set my my fantasy lineup for. That's another thing is if you play fantasy football, you got to worry about setting a Friday lineup and make sure that you're you got any guys on either of those teams to to make sure they're in your starting lineup. Uh, but I'll tell you what I already the Thursday night game, unless it's super intriguing, I'm not flipping over to Prime. Um, I'm I'm not giving it you know to uh, the 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 attention at you, a Sunday NFL game gets, but this when there's college football at the same at the exact same time, I don't know you're you're gonna be hard pressed to get me to that TV. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I wish I would know those numbers. I imagine the Shield will still do better, but I will I will watch. <laughs> I'd rather watch Iowa versus Nebraska 
them watch that game. As someone who had the displeasure of watching Tim Boyle quarterback for the Chicago Bears last year whenever we were in full tank mode in the last game of the season he had no business being on an NFL field he threw like one of the worst picks I've ever seen a, a even a, a quarterback I've seen high school I've seen middle school I've seen peewee it was a horrible horrible pick I'd rather watch that game I'd rather watch uh Tulsa ver- not Tulsa Tulane versus UTSA I think that'll be a better football game than that. I think the Jets are going to get ran out of the building and people are going to go, oh, they still are bad, even with Tim Boyle. And then they're going to throw Trevi- Trevor Simeon in there, and it's going to be the same. And they're going to eventually throw Zach back out there, and it's just going to be same average Jets. And they're in a mess. They are certainly in a mess. You know what I think, CP? I think you uh, you low-key like Iowa. <laughs> I, I think you're a sucker for it. I think you can't take your eyes off of it. Yep, yep, that's it's it. It's so that, different. It's just, you know, it feels like I'm back in 1940. I'm getting ready to go fight in war. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, uh, we will wrap up the NFL slate. We'll talk about the games on the normal day of the week the NFL's played on, talk about some of those Sunday games, and then we'll get into some food takes the day before Thanksgiving. Again, this is a pre-recorded edition of Sports Call, recording on a Monday night. Talking to you here on this Wednesday, though. We'll be right back after this timeout. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Wednesday. Again, one last reminder, this is a pre-recorded edition of Sports Call. If you've tried to call us, we do apologize. We are not actually in the studio. This is not a live edition of the show. This is being recorded Monday night. Time is now around 1030. Uh, So we wanted again to bring you a new three-hour show. Uh, but also want to be able to enjoy two days with the family. Uh, and we will be back on Friday with a full three-hour live edition of the program, and we'll love uh, to hear more of your phone calls ahead of the Iron Bowl. We've been talking a little NFL. We talked about the Thanksgiving slate. Let's talk for just a few minutes uh, here with the rest of the NFL slate, the normal Sunday-Monday games. Uh, and, and looking at the rest of it, you have a, another decently important AFC North game that feels like that's happening every week. However, with Joe Burrow out for the year, really I'm not thinking much of a Bengals playoff uh, push. That's more about Pittsburgh not messing something up on, on the road at a division rival. Really sneaky good AFC South game. 
Seven and three Jaguars, six and four Texans. Did not think we'd be here. Uh, those organizations, not typically winning organizations to be forthcoming, but then uh, did not think the Texans would be ready for this. You also have an important one in the NFC South between the Falcons and Saints. Someone's got to win it. Uh, you have a, a sno- couple snoozers. Browns, Broncos, kind of intriguing. Broncos getting hot. Maybe wrote them off a little too soon. Maybe. Browns 7-3 and three with no quarterback, no running back. Uh, Chiefs will go to Vegas. Chiefs did officially lose the Eagles game. Speaking of Eagles, Eagles, Bills, Bills need it. Bills, too many clumpy teams in the AFC to, to lose much more. Maybe lose one, maybe twice more. It's a little early to be doing that. There's some good stuff in the NFL this week, guys. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start things off uh, looking at the the game that we'll have here, right here on our airways Sunday, that Saints Falcons game. Um, it's important. I'm 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 ex- I'm interested to see how the Falcons look off the bye week, uh, especially with the news uh, that they are going back to Desmond Ritter uh, as their starting quarterback. And you know, Taylor Heineke came in uh, and was was not you know overly impressive. Uh, and so they're, they're, you're going back to Desmond Ritter, and you know uh, Arthur Smith uh, said that they were going to evaluate things on the bye week and look at things. So officially going back to him, so it's going to be interesting to see that. And like you said, that the a, the NFC South is still a, a division that's wide open, except for the the Panthers. The Panthers yeah. are kind of cemented themselves yeah. as the you know giving the number one pick to the Bears and whatever. But uh, the but the it's a, it's an important game here. Uh, between these two, can uh, can Bijan Robinson finally, you know, after this bye week, can he finally start to show that uh, that running back dominance that we we hope? Really, will Arthur Smith use him in the in the in the uh, the way that he needs to be used? Him and Kyle Pitts, I think that's been a big uh, point of uh, talking point this last week or so uh, has been use, the usage of your two uh, first round offensive picks with Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. Uh, and so, you know, he's only got – Robinson's only got two touchdowns in the year. Uh, and, you know, we, we've had the discussion about, you know, the uh, the importance of NFL running backs before on this program. Uh, but the, the fact that you've got a guy like, you know, you drafted him fairly high and he's only uh, – only gotten two touchdowns in the year is is something is something to be said for. I think uh, th- this is this is an important game. Uh, if the Falcons have stumbled here recently. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like, there's a lot of questions about Arthur Smith. You know, the fact that he's an offensive background guy and yet he still is not getting Bijan involved. He's not getting Kyle Pitts involved. He's not getting Drake London involved. He's not getting Tyler Algier involved. Strangely enough, he really likes to go to the well that is Jonu Smith. Why is he doing that? I don't know. But he really likes Jonu Smith, so be it. So, yeah, someone's got to win that football game, and uh, that, that, that certainly will be one of the games. And so then the Jaguars and the Texans, oh, I'm very excited for this one. Um, I think that'll be a great football game, too, of the young emerging quarterbacks. You can say that Trevor Lawrence is already there, if you'd like. He's doing well. Uh, 4-0 on the year. The Jags are on the road. The Texans are 4-1 at home. So, something, uh, you know, if the Texans win that, they're tied for first. So, that'd be really impressive for D'Amico Ryans and that organization that's been horrible over the past couple of years without Deshaun Watson. So, I- I'm really looking forward to that game. Now, Brooks... 
I'm surprised you didn't talk about this game. Why didn't you sell me on your New England Patriots facing the New York Giants? Because I can't sell myself on it. Because he has <laughs> self-respect, TP. <laughs> You're looking at a Patriots team that is one and three on the road, and guess what? The Giants, do you know what their home record is? The exact same. They're one and three at home. Someone's got to win. It's, actually, it's no, a, that's don't. what you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, yeah, there are ties in the NFL. Zero, zero tie. It's, this is, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not gonna even going to give it. It's my team, but I'm not going to give it the time of, time of day. It's a gross game. Yeah. It's gross. Matt yeah. Jones has ten interceptions well, and ten touchdowns. If he makes you feel better, uh, you you got a whole poo poo platter because there's also Carolina and Tennessee, uh, and I oh, think gosh. I, I I guess I want to watch those teams more because I like those teams a little bit more. They're more regional, but I mean the way Levis has returned to Cinder after <laughs> the the Falcons yeah. made him look good and. Uh, Carolina exists, and that's about all you can say about them. And yeah, again, the, we talk about it because it's it's our division, and again, we we have the Falcons on the on our on our airwaves each Sunday, and uh, we're all fans pretty much, not all, but fans or secondary fans of one of the teams. It feels like, and it's just not good, man. And and someone's got to go to the playoffs, and. I don't like when the Falcons are saying, "Yeah, we're going to bring Arthur Smith back in the middle of the year." What if they finish six and eleven? I don't like, know. You're going to bring him back after three years of that? Like, like, I mean, fine, do it. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a buck. Go ahead, but that, that that doesn't make any sense to me. And then again, I, I've said this: everyone should get fired, but the winner of that division. Reich should be fired because there's no way they should be this bad. They were not this bad with Wilkes last year when they when they just they traded everybody and still were running the ball down people's throats. They had Tampa dead to rights. They were about to win the division, and then Sam Darnold saw ghosts again. Like like they were going to win the division. So there's no excuse to be this bad, and also to not have your pick and not have much hope next. Year. No, uh, he's gone. And I think the the two other losing coaches should be gone. Todd Bowles is not a good NFL head coach. He was awful in New York. Do you know how bad you have to be to win eight games with Tom Brady? My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> he waltzed in in a COVID year with Bruce Arians. They won the whole Super Bowl. He didn't get to practice. <laughs> the, the next year they won 13 games. Tom Brady walked into to Tampa did not get to legally practice with his teammates. Got in trouble like, you know for what? It. No problem. He got in trouble for it, if you remember. So, <laughs> so for Bulls to win eight games, that was obvious. Everyone's like, I don't know, Brady. Maybe just finally get. No, it just was bad. The team was bad. The coach was bad. <laughs> Brady was fine. Uh, and now this year, they're not any good. And then again, Dennis Allen, the Saints have people in their organization that I swear cook the books there's no way they could still have a good team and be under the cap with as much cap hell as they've been in the last two or three years trying to make the last breeze years work and then transition on and and now they've got these really good wide receivers because they've drafted well they still got Kamara if 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 Dennis Allen was one division he was bad in Oakland don't he shouldn't keep just getting years upon years I pay no, like no, the every coach in this division that doesn't win the division should be fired. Period. And the only reason you give the winner a stay is because you were you were not the worst part of the pile of garbage. I mean, and and that's not a great reason to keep somebody. By the way, but at least their tenures are so short. It's not like year eight of this. You can say, oh, year three or year two, Dennis Allen. Okay, you won the division. 
All right, let's see if you can build off of it. Oh, you're three Arthur Smith. You got you got over the mountaintop. Okay, Todd Bowles, you're you're two. You know, without Brady, you still weren't much better, but you, you won it. You you won the crap fest. So, I, again, I that division is just befuddling bad because I don't think that at least I really say there's an argument if all three of those teams were well coached. Again, not including Carolina, if all three were well coached, there's a there's a ten win team somewhere in all those teams with the roster, but. Coaching matters. Quarterback play matters. Uh, alas, I've spent way too much time on that. Uh, Texans-Jaguars is going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to that. Stroud had a little bit of an iffy performance last week. They got it done. They still held on against Arizona. And look, this is not a must-win for these teams because guess what? These are good enough teams to make a wild card. And when Buffalo having a tough schedule now down the stretch with Cincinnati having the bad luck that they now have with Burrow out, it's a couple teams you're not worried about. I, I wouldn't worry too much about Vegas. You might have a fleeting thought of Denver because they, they've gotten warm here. But, you know, I, I think this there's space for these two teams all of a sudden. So maybe not a must win, but certainly an interesting game. And then I go back to, um, you know, Buffalo trying to play at Philly. Man, if Buffalo can win, you start to have some different thoughts about Buffalo. I'll give you that. Uh, you start to say, well, if they just stop turning the ball over four times a game, it might be fine. And it really might be. Uh, however, if they lose, again, you're worried about just making the playoffs. It'd be down to uh, to six and six. And, and that's not a convincingly good spot to be in. Chargers, Ravens, uh, any day now firing for Brandon Staley? Uh, I guess this is another time to mention this is pre recorded. <laughs> Tuesday could be the day. I don't know. In between, in between us recording Monday night and as the show airs on Wednesday, he could have been fired. I don't know. It it would be warranted. Well, I I like I said before we started recording this. I said I cannot believe that Brandon Staley is still employed right now because I just thought he'd get fired after losing to a bad Green Bay team. No, he's still there. He lashed out at the media. Still there. He could. I, I'm convinced now that they could just lose fifty two to seven, and they'd just be like, eh. We'll hey, wait till the end of the year. You know what? We'll just wait. We'll be nice. It's like what the Bears do. Matt Eberflus could lose every single game by 3,000 points, and we'd be like, yeah, he needs to finish the year because of tradition. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I think they will move off of Staley. I don't think it's a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. It looks like they're just going to let him finish out the season, which I think is a terrible idea. I really think it's such a bad idea because you have Kellen Moore right there. He's just sitting there as a gym, and it's just like, okay, we can get rid of this this bad coach. He's not proven to do anything except for blow leads. So it's just like, you know what, and analytically stupid decisions. So we're going to get rid of Staley, goodbye, and we're going to put Kellen Moore as the interim head coach. If they go 500, so be it. It was worth the experience. It could could revitalize that fan base, bring more interest to the Chargers, nevertheless. So I think that, you know what, so be it. If Kellen Moore does good, there you go. You promote him, you make him the head coach. So, And you keep around an offensive guy that seems to be well-liked. So there's no reason for the Chargers to be 4-6 and six with the roster that they have right now, and I think it just falls on the head coach. And like I said, truly baffling at the time of this recording that Brandon Staley is still the car- the Chargers head coach. And look, there's uh, in the NFL there's such coveted jobs that usually you're – not too worried about candidate pools and that sort of thing. That's why you can also wait. But I will say that 
uh, in this situation because you do have a rare situation where you have a coordinator that you feel at some point will be a head coach. Maybe not this cycle, but at some point. I agree with you. I mean, see if you can go on a quick 5-1 and one or 5-2 and two to finish the year and see if you backdoor in the playoffs. And that might be the proof that same roster, different guy, big difference, that different guy should get the job. I mean, it, it's not – it's not an awful thought to have, uh, that's for sure. We're going to take one final time out here in the show today. When we come back, have a little bit of fun on this day before Thanksgiving. We'll talk about some Thanksgiving food situations. What needs to be on the dinner table? Is it a lunch table? Lunch, dinner, in between, Leonard? What? Uh, how does it go with? How, <laughs> yeah, go go between. Every family's different. We'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, some great Thanksgiving stuff right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final few minutes of Sports Call today on this Wednesday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday. Again, this has been a pre-recorded show, all new. First time airing uh, and available on our podcast platforms directly following the conclusion here. Uh, but again, this was pre-recorded on Monday night, now nearing 11 o'clock, as uh, we wanted to make sure we got a new show to you, but also gave us the ability to go home a little bit earlier and enjoy some family time before we come back on Friday and do another live show. Again, obviously no show on Thanksgiving, but a uh, new live show on Friday, and we'll love to hear your phone calls there on Friday. Going to wrap things up today, as we should the day before Thanksgiving. We're talking food. All right, so let's get the basics down. Lunch, dinner, or in between? What what time is the main meal being served? All right, so I've experienced uh, I've experienced a little bit of all three. All right, so in my early days as, as a youth, uh, we would do lunch at my my grandmother's house right at like we'd get over there right as the right after the parade ended we'd leave home go over there right eat right after we got there right about noonish then that evening we would go over to my uncle's house and my my the other side of my family and have dinner and it would be like the one side of the family would have it at noon the other side would have it at dinner and it wasn't i don't they didn't coordinate it because they you know not it, it was just one part of the family that was related as my mom and dad uh, so they didn't coordinate it like that, but it's just how it fell. So we would do, I would do two Thanksgivings during that day, different, you know, different types of foods, people, different, you know, family members bring different stuff. Um, as we've gone on, family's gotten super big down home um, and it's just gotten harder and harder for everybody to get together. And so everybody kind of does their own thing now. And so we've transitioned into my family into a, uh, 
in, into a uh, middle-of-the-afternoon meal, kind of around the, the end of the Lions game into the start of the Cowboys game. That's how I determined time on Thanksgiving, by the way, <laughs> is when the Lions and the Cowboys Fair. play. Uh, so about right, right, at the, right about the end of the Lions game, going into the beginning of the Cowboys game, that's when you're eating. And then you, you kind of leave the food out uh, into the early evening, if you want to go pick, you know, you know, graze a little bit around, uh, and then, then you know, you do the turkey sandwiches and whatever the, the next day. But so, pre- preferably, I, I mean, as a, as a lover of food, I prefer the two meals. Uh, the, sure, you, you go twice, um, but I would say probably a, a mid afternoon uh, time frame is, I think, my is what my preferred is for for a big Thanksgiving. Okay. So it's my turn. So I, our, uh, wow, it is. Well, I was just portraying it. I mean, anyway, so I guess it's my turn. So, um, <laughs> y'all making me laugh. So I, uh, I always eat lunch with my grandparents, uh, enjoy it a lot. Uh, I know we're not talking about the food yet, but we, we've always done lunch. Okay. And, uh, for dinner, I always, I, I told y'all this all fair and, uh, me and my best friend, as strange as this is going to sound, uh, we always go to McDonald's. We live on the opposite sides of Montgomery, but we always meet in the middle. We meet at that middle McDonald's, like like the demilitarized zone or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> theoretical. But uh, And we go eat inside, and we order an egregious amount of McDonald's, and we we – we feast, but one of us will put, uh, we'll get the little like number thing and we'll put our phone there and we'll watch the egg bowl together. Cause he grew up in Mississippi. So he has a lot of passion for that. He he's more towards the Mississippi state side. So, but, uh, that's what I do for my Thanksgiving. It starts off with some Turkey and some black eyed peas and some sweet potato casserole. My favorite sweet potato casserole, of course. And, uh, it ends with a Big Mac, so very strange. <laughs> that is different, man. As as, uh, as as per tradition, so yeah. But hey, it's tradition for you, and that's that's what counts. Uh, I really don't recall many waiting till dinner meals, and that could go for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Christmas usually tends trends a little later, but Thanksgiving. Uh, back when my uh, grandmother used to be coming by the house, that would be like a late lunch. One thirty-two, somewhere in there, just early and say early, but just just soon enough to be labeled lunch. And now it's kind of settled into like a three or four o'clock. It's uh, kind of around the Cowboys game, somewhere around there, and it's make sure you get done before the egg bowl. So maybe it's as late as five, but it's 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 definitely before dinner. It's definitely after lunch. It's it's decidedly dinner, uh, somewhere between three to five o'clock, somewhere in there year by year, and. There's no quite a huge method to the madness. Again, sometimes Christmas is playing around which NBA games are on and stuff, but uh, and the presents in the morning and all that. But it's it's again it's it's late afternoon, early evening. As far as the food, guys, I'm a pretty basic eater, uh, and 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 maybe you would say it's bland because I don't even like a couple. I don't even do a couple of the extended uh, Thanksgiving dishes that you don't have often, but are you know, like sweet potato casserole is not something you break out very often, but it is certainly a, a Thanksgiving deal. I don't really do that. I just like the basic stuff. I do like turkey. I'm more of a ham guy, but I, turkey once a year, everybody can get over it. Like it, even if even if you feel turkey's overrated, it's once a year. It's a bit. It's okay. We're fine. Uh, 
mashed potatoes, green beans, mac and cheese, stuffing. I do really like stuffing. Uh, which uh, someone gave me a debate question last year. Maybe it was when we were all doing this with JJ. Is it is it stuffing if you don't actually stuff the turkey with it? Mm, is it just question. dressing? I, I, I've always called it dressing. I've always called it dressing as well. See, I've always called it stuffing, and I don't. And and to be fair, sometimes it is literally stuffed. Yeah. So, and at that point, I think you're even more appropriate calling stuffing. Otherwise, I don't see why you'd call it stuffing, but I don't know. I don't know if that was going to passionately offend anyone. Uh, and I, I'm, I, here's another thing. I don't know why it's called dressing either, because it's not really like... Well, yeah, you don't put it on... Yeah, I think of dressing on, like like a sauce yeah, or something. Yeah. You don't put it on there. I don't know. Uh, so, But I, I do like stuffing, and then we always do like the Parker House rolls. These little... Mm. It's like a... Uh, it's a circular pan of rolls that are... You know, not necessarily certain. They're more like fluffy rectangles. Almost. Those are delicious. Yeah. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> they're they're good. That's always our, our bread of choice. So, yeah, it's turkey, mac and cheese, green beans, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and, and rolls. And, and I'm a, I'm still a full plate. I'm usually a clean plate club afterwards. Uh, and then dessert. Uh, sometimes we put pie in our eyes. Sometimes we go cheesecake. Yeah. Um, Cheesecake's been pretty common in the Lavoie household recently. Uh, and then we get the conglomerate one, the one that has the regular, but then also has like the chocolate and then has the the raspberry and then like one other kind, the chocolate crunch or something. So yeah, it, it's it's been pretty steady on those and, I, and I, I don't see a big need to change it. I think it's all pretty damn good. What about you guys? I I, I feel the same way. I am a, uh, a full plate club. I get the turkey. I get the sweet corn. You know, I love some sweet corn. I love dressing as well, but no onions. Not an onion guy in my, mm-hmm. in my dressing. Not a fan. Uh, black eyed peas. Um, and you mentioned dessert, and it just, like, clicked in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, I get my grandmother's. Uh, she makes this really good, like, pound cake. It's like chocolate pound cake, and I love it. And uh, whenever we leave or whatever, she always wrap it in tinfoil. And so whenever I get back to the house after like a 25-minute drive back to Montgomery, I will devour that pound cake as soon as I get back. I'm like, all right, that was a good drive. Let me eat the rest of this. But, but yeah, um, big fan of that. Uh, I'm interested to know which ones y'all would get rid of if you could get rid of one. Me personally, I've never been – a cranberry sauce guy. That's the one that no, I don't like to begin with. So yeah, yeah I was about yeah. to say I've never never been a fan. I don't know about Brooks. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's you know furrowing his brow or anything. But uh, that that's the one that I would axe off if I could. But yeah, I love good turkey, good dressing. Get them black eyed peas. Get the lima beans as well, and uh, the butter beans, and uh, get the dressing. And oh, of course, the sweet potato cas- casserole. You got to have a good crust. That's that's the main feature of a good sweet potato casserole. It's only as good as its crust. And man, I, I love sweet potato casserole. I've grown up on it and I love it. So that is my favorite Thanksgiving food is a good old sweet potato casserole. I mean, all right, Brooks, I'm, I'm turning the floor over to you, though. It's my turn now. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. I know it's about the turkey. I know that that's what the the main you know every every time you look at a, a Thanksgiving uh a, you know Thanksgiving meal you're you're looking at the you know the the picture is that there's a turkey in the middle of the table. I created a if you you know on on the Thanksgiving day if you check out uh all the social medias around uh the Tiger Communications there's going to be a, a turkey icon on the the graphics. 
I'm more of a ham person. If you, if you know, on the, I'll get a couple pieces of turkey. You do both at the households. Uh, it's yes. There, there's ham usually, usually there as well. What's Christmas? Then? Can I ask you that? I'm sorry. To... Christmas is just ham. Okay, see, hmm. I, Christmas I have is just a ham. slight bone to pick with you. But can please continue though. I'm just not a you know, like, and I don't know. It's it's. Brooks, can you do it for me once a year? I I mean. I get it. I get the, the the Mama Goldberg sandwich. I love the Turkey Delight. Oh, um, but it's uh, it's just I don't know. It's it's it. it I don't know what it is. It, is it too dry? It's too dr- that's Do you what need it is. to it's get too dry. I uh, need the darker like a, meat. Then I need a, or I need a, like a little sauce with it or gravy to put on yeah. it. Like I need a little moisten it up a little bit. But dark meat's fine. The darker yeah. meat, you, you go over that way and uh, inject it. My my parents they do the Tony Satchery uh, Satchery yeah, I, they that helps it. Mm. I, I will say that since they've been doing that, I didn't. I was not some turkey truther. But you see, okay, the thing but, is, the, then you're now you're starting to tread into waters to tell telling your parents how to cook something. Like if I no. go home, if I go no. home and I, I'm like, yeah. hey, maybe you know, what if we did this? I'm like that. Then well, then you're sorry. not far off doing this on your own, there, champ. So. <laughs> Just, just, just giving you ideas. No, I'm not. I'm, hold, on, hold on, I'm not. I'm not accusing you of telling <laughs> yeah. your parents how to do. I'm just saying, yeah. like, if I go down to 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 the home and I say, "Hey, this is how Ryan's parents do it. Why don't you do uh, it this way?" Like, you're you're getting some well, salty yeah. water. No, oh, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I wasn't I mean, telling you to do that. Walking I, on thin ice. No, yeah. you just here. You no. Should you, I have a baster on the side? No, you be and way just like get my get my turkey and, like injected as I'm eating. No, be way more unassuming that. Just be like, you know. We've had before Tony Shasheries, and I or Sha- I can't even pronounce. It. I don't know. Just we just Shares. call it Tonys. Yeah, Tonys, and you know that might be something worth a try. Don't don't tell the source material. Act like it's your own. It'll be more valuable if it's your own. Uh, but but that that's worked out well. But so so I'm not you know I'll, I will eat. Listen, I, I will have a, a couple pieces of the turkey on the plate. But if there's ham there, the ham is going to be the majority of what hits that plate on the meat side of things. Um, sweet potato casserole. I'm big there. Uh, sweet corn, cream corn. Uh, love, love it. Green beans. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think rolls. Absolutely. Give me five. Uh, usually we've done the, the sister Schubert dinner rolls. Is, we've is done this before we've, too. We've yeah. mainly done Christmas usually there. Yeah. Um, some we've gone King's Hawaiian rolls too. Sometimes like we'll throw some of those in there too. Those are more common. Yeah. I go those more often, so I, like I, I don't find it to be that's, like a. Holiday. That's like a Publix deli item right there. It's just Listen, like I'm you know. just I'm just out here explaining what I what I've sure. done. I, I don't nothing care. wrong with it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. I am not as big a fan of dressing slash stuffing, whatever you call it. I'm I'm like UTP, not the like the onions in it. I'm not a big and I, this is this is uh, even though I tell. And this is I, I, my I tell my parents I'm not an onion person. I don't you know I don't eat onions that often. They continue to put onions and stuff. Wow. I'm like, what? Just can we lay One off time? of it? Just yeah. yeah. Um, but I do love love my parents very dearly. Um, and I'll tell you something else: cranberry sauce. If it's homemade, like if you make it yourself, I'm I'm gonna probably steer away from it. And I, and I know that's like there's a lot of people that that have the opposite opinion here. You get it out of the can. The ribs. I'll do the I'll do the out of the can stuff. I will do the, the like the the slices out of the can. 
I'll do that, and I will eat a couple pieces of it. I, I and, and I know most people that do like cranberry sauce, they don't like that one, and they like the homemade stuff. I, was, I had this conversation with my wife a few days ago. Mm-hmm. She said, we always do cranberry sauce. I'm like, good, I like the, I like the can. She's like, no, we make our own. I'm like, oh, okay. And so uh-huh. I, I kind of veer away from the, the, the homemade stuff, and I, I kind of go more toward the can. Yeah, I look. I, I, either way, it's a no for me. But uh, I agree. But you know, again, that I'm not here to argue because <laughs> I, again, I I have my stuff too. But it's just it's exciting uh, to be going home and tantalized seeing family and and uh, certainly to be eating all that and then the desserts that will follow and uh, it's always I think it's better to not eat it as dinner because then you don't have enough time to recover before you you lay there the rest of the night so it is probably better for the for the late afternoon crowd final minute or two of the show we're about to wrap things up uh, we really do appreciate everyone for listening in today again trying something different with this pre-recording give us the opportunity to go home and uh, certainly appreciate everyone's patience and, and still listening in. And uh, we're excited to, to get an extra day at home. And, again, Friday will be another live edition of the show. Get your phone calls, talk more Iron Bowl, get excited about uh, the biggest rivalry there and, and just able to uh, look forward to that one. Brooks, I know real quickly got time for a brief uh, nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. What we got for this Wednesday night? Yeah, so your primer into Thanksgiving uh, coming up here for your TV. Uh, maybe you've already got the family in town. Uh, maybe you're looking for something to watch. Six o'clock on FX. You got Rogue One, a Star Wars story. If the fam wants a little sci-fi action, if you want to get the kids to bed though, really quickly. Also six o'clock on Sci-Fi. It's It 2017's uh, It Chapter One. Uh, yeah. Great horror movie. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, I don't like as many horror movies, but that's a great one. That's all like i said maybe get you know shove the kids off to bed a little bit early have some uh get to get to watch that movie sports picks for you this evening you've got a uh, college basketball action number 13 baylor takes on oregon state at six o'clock on espn2 in one of those uh mid-season tournaments uh then nhl action to uh, the boston bruins visit the florida panthers six o'clock on tnt and auburn volleyball is actually playing on uh the sec network plus as they take on the alabama crimson tide it's the iron bowl of volleyball at 6 30 live from uh, Neville Arena. So if you can't make it out to Neville Arena, if you're out of town uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, 6.30 on uh, SEC Network Plus, Auburn and Alabama volleyball action. And that's Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That's about it for the program today. Uh, TP, thank you for being here for this pre-recording late Monday night. I hope you have a great time with your family over Thanksgiving and look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you all. As always, I hope all of our listeners have a good Thanksgiving and go Buckeyes. Uh, and Brooks Childress, thank you mm. for being here, sir. I know you got a lot of traveling over these next few days, thank but I uh, hope you travel safe, enjoy some family time, and uh, enjoy all that good food, sir. Absolutely. I hope everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving and uh, enjoys a lot of football this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. There will be a lot of that, too. And, of course, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone as well. We're very thankful for you uh, this Thanksgiving, for you, the listener, and you, the caller. And uh, we certainly appreciate what you bring to the show. And we are wishing everyone out there, uh, all of our callers and listeners, a very uh, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we hope uh, everyone has great family time, something to be thankful for. Uh, this holiday season. We look forward to talking to everyone again soon. That will do it for this Wednesday edition of the show. Again, no show tomorrow on Thanksgiving, but we'll be back with a live edition of the show on Friday. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, 
My name is Ryan LaVoy. Everyone have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again on Friday.